touch your toes. Bend all down and touch your toes. How long have you looked at those? How long, How long since you, you looked, looked at those? Swing your arms around your back. Swing your arms around the back. Give yourself a heart attack. Got a train. Got a train. In the rain. In the rain. In the rain. In the snow. In the snow. I don't remember anymore, but that was good. <laughs> Shape up. Lose weight. Got a train. That's it. There we go. <laughs> hey, everybody. Hey, you guys. Welcome to another episode of Lights, Camera, Cocktails. Cocktails. And here on Lights, Camera, Cocktails, we pair amazing cocktails with amazing movies. And tonight is no different, except that we got ourselves a guest. Yeah, we do. I'm so excited. But not really a guest, because if you don't know who this person is, I need you to go back and listen to our first hundred episodes, because then you would know who this person is. <laughs> <laughs> he might sound vaguely familiar. <laughs> vaguely familiar. I was thinking of like what I could do in like maybe a weird accent or something to throw people off, but you already gave it away. <laughs> no, no, I want I want them to know. I know no lies. We What's got Jason in y'all? the building. <laughs> burn, burn, burn. Yay, welcome. It's so good to yeah. see you. Hi. <laughs> well, I'm really excited for tonight. I think we're all really excited for tonight's movie. I am so very excited for tonight's movie. And Smashley is in the building, but she just got in the building, so she's eating dinner off camera. Okay, so we'll wait for her to be in the technical motherfucking building. Uh, Jason, you want to tell everybody what movie you picked? Hook. Hook, 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 hook. Give us the hook. Hook, hook. Give us the hook. Not you. No, not you. 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 You were the one that bet against me. No. One of you does not belong. I am so excited to watch or. Not to watch this movie, but to talk about this movie. To talk about this amazing movie. But first, Mm -hmm. I'm ready to drink. Yes, please. So let's get our drink on. And tonight, we are drinking the tick of the clock. What is it? I hear it. I hear it again. Spay, it's that crocodile back from the dead. Mm. Yes, the tick, tick of the, of the clock, clock cocktail. And so tonight, what you're going to need is one and a half ounce of white tequila. So that could be silver. But we, we're drinking Blanco. And then... Yeah. Okay, so one ounce of lime juice. And, Zesty. Yep. And one ounce of ginger syrup so what i did for my ginger syrup is i made some simple syrup but before i put the sugar in there i boiled some ginger in there for a little bit to get the water all gingery and then i threw some sugar in there and that's my ginger sugar syrup (laughs) i love it it's so good i like that i almost wish i threw a sugar cube in mine it's just it's tastes really good so then you're going to three dashes of bitters three dashes bitters and then you're going to put all that in your shaker shake it and put it in a rocks glass full of ice mm-hmm. you'll shake it, uh, uh, uh. Shake it. And then you're gonna... i can't shake no more my arms are hurting <laughs> shake as long as you can you said we were gonna drink you didn't say we were gonna sweat yeah you gonna you gotta work for your cocktail 
<laughs> and then you're going to top it with some mint. Uh, so take your mint and slap it in your hands. I do it twice to let out all the oils and the mint flavor and smells and drop that into your drink as a garnish. And that, my friend, is the tick of the clock. Tick of the clock. I love it. Here tick we go. Tick of the clock. I'm Cheers. Ready. This smells Cheers. fantastic. Cheers, the, everybody. To the time of our lives. Ooh, that is good. That is really good. I I'm, like it. Mm. I've said it before. I am not the biggest tequila fan. Yes, um, you have said that. But this is a good. It's I feel smooth. like the ginger balances the tequila really nicely, though. It does. Uh huh. It does. It mm. almost tastes like a margarita. Kind of, yeah. Or maybe maybe I put a little too much lime in mine. I don't know. No. It, no, it has it. it, it it's like a. It feels like, very. Very much like a smoky type of margarita. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could a- blend this up over ice and stick a Ooh. umbrella in it. For yes, real. Yes, please. But yeah, that is the tick of the clock. It's pretty good. I like I it. I like it. You're right. That ginger does. I thought it was going to be overpowering, but it covers that tequila taste. It and- really balances the tequila. And you I, you got a really nice tequila this time around. What did you think about the difference between that and what you usually drink? Tres agave is good. Yeah, I had had it before, and I was like, okay, I'm going to spend a little extra money because usually I go cheap on the tequila because I don't drink tequila. It's just going to yeah. sit there. But I spent a little extra money in this one. It's it's good. I haven't had it like on its own like a shot. but No, I like it, and this is just another – because I always have tequila on the bar, so this is like a really nice extra mm. variety I can do. I've always got ginger lying around for like juices and smoothies and sauces, so like it's so easy just to have it around the house as well. Yeah. So I didn't even actually ever think to put ginger and tequila together. Me neither, but I, I will. did do it. I did it with gin the other day when I was making that like version of a gin gimlet. Oh yeah, I added basil and uh, ginger to it, and it was so much fun. So big ass basil leaves. Homegrown, <laughs> <I know. laughs> <laughs> baby. Homegrown. <laughs> All right, so you guys ready for a little bit of history? I'm so ready. I- I'm so ready. <laughs> I love learning. I from feel my bad. Friends. I forgot like how to do this. Don't worry. You you're just along for the I ride. I forgot the order of everything. You just along for the ride. You just chime in when you know something. Give us some laughs. You always got fun <laughs> facts and shit we don't notice. So I'm down. I'm you're not you're wrong. <laughs> I am not worried about this. He is. You're the most amazing person ever. So. Yeah. Oh my god. Thank God this I'm is so not on camera. I'm so red right now. <laughs> <laughs> It's so much fun. And it's ta- I just missed you, Z. We haven't done this in a couple of days either. Yes, you guys, we had to take some personal time. So uh, January mm. was a little bare on some episodes. But we back mm-hmm. in the swing of things. We're back. We're feeling good. And 2020 is about to be a bomb-ass year. So here we go. 2021? Yes. Oh. 2021. Wow. 2021. <laughs> we, don't, we don't talk about 2020 no more. I just no, want you not- to know... We are not James Cameron the shit out of 2020. Okay, okay I don't one, I don't there. know if you know <laughs> this, but <laughs> I don't remember anything past December 2019. 2020 never fucking happened. Right? What happened? What I missed? Was I asleep? I remember New Year's of 2019. Yeah, we were in uh, Vegas. It was a we good We were one. together. We were in Vegas. We were in Vegas. We did The Hangover. It was a fun yep. So I don't we got remember. home at like four in the morning. We drove home and then all hell broke loose. I don't remember nothing else. I don't remember nothing else. <laughs> we went through a damn wormhole, Zenobia. That's what happened. All right. 
<laughs> Let's get to um, her story. And so we have talked about tequila a couple times on this show. Uh, mm-hmm, we talked mm-hmm. about, you know, some history about it, that it's Mexico's national drink, and it can't be called tequila unless it's made in Mexico. But here are some really cool fun facts. And we're going to talk basically about Blanco tequila. So if you're getting tequila and it says 100% agave. From the agave plant. It's all from a blue agave plant and nothing blue else. Agave. And so if it doesn't say that, that means that 49% of the alcohol is from other things that making sugar, like high fructose corn syrup and all that shit. Added to. That's CNH life. Yeah, add it to your tequila. So that's most likely the cheaper ones. And mm-hmm. that's probably why, you know, a lot of us get hangovers really bad over the cheap tequila is because I it's honestly not... think it just doesn't taste right. I don't think it's yeah. a good glass of tequila. If I can't drink it on the rocks with a lime, like I don't think it's a good tequila. That's sure. It won't even mix with it. I just that's had bad sugar nights. companies bamboozling us. Yep. You guys remember those commercials? C and H. C&H, mommy, mommy uses, uses it, it to make, make her cakes, to make the greatest cookies, cookies snacks, and candies in the dead, pink dead. package. They They're was dead, lying to us. Yeah, you remember oh those? Do you not remember that, Lenny? No, I don't. I don't, actually. <laughs> yeah, Lenny don't remember the C&H commercials. I'll send you yeah, one. Yeah, me no 1950s wife just holding up cakes for yeah. the kids. And then oh, they brought them back in like the 90s as like a nostalgia commercial. And it got us wow. too. It got us too. Wow. <laughs> okay, so uh, Blanco tequila, which we are drinking tonight, uh, is not something that the USA drinks a lot of. We are more known for drinking dark uh, spirits, so whiskey and rums. And yeah, we need it darker, so these aren't. But a lot of bartenders who like to make tequila drinks drink Blanco or silver tequila. And it is generally unaged and it's generally has zero contact with wood. That's why it is a white spirit. Mm, Nice. So it's not sitting in a barrel for a long time to get the color. And it's in like these, I don't know what they're called, but they're like big silver tub things with a bunch of tubies. You know, I'm not a distiller, so I don't know all of the technical terms, but it is very hard to actually make Blanco tequila. Uh, You can't really hide any flaws that you make in making this recipe because there's nowhere to hide because you can't hide it with a smoky wood taste or Mm -hmm. with, you know, a lot of different kind of sugars like a lot of other people do. So, um... Gotcha. So they use, like, metal barrels, basically. Yes. Kind of like a moonshine kind of shit. That's what it looked like to me. But don't quote me, boy, because I ain't saying shit. (laughs) (laughs) This is the most complex white spirit to make in the world over making gin or making vodka, making white rum, anything else. Blanco tequila is like one of the most hardest tequilas to get right. And yeah, it could for people who don't drink a lot of tequila, it might taste a little harsh, but that's because you're used to having that fake ass sugar in your tequilas. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a little bit of her story on that tequila, bitch. <laughs> you can always depend on a good night uh, after a glass of tequila. If it was this drink, then deaf, because this drink is like off the fucking hook, I can't. I know, and I wonder if you can actually, this 
wouldn't be very common. I guess you could say, like, if you've got ginger beer, you could throw it in instead of, like, a ginger syrup. That'd be cool. It'd be like a tequila mule, almost. I found this bottle that was, like, ginger beer syrup, and it had, like, ginger concentrate in it. I almost did that instead of making my own, but I'm glad I made my own because it was cheap mm -hmm. and easy to do. All right. So are you guys ready? I'm ready. I'm back. I'm, I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> so are you ready for the motherfucking drinking game? Yes, sir. There it is. I know we're on Zoom, but I still got you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So grab your tick of the clock cocktail and get ready for the motherfucking drinking game. Here we go. I'm so excited. Should I make another glass really quick? I'm almost... I've been chugging this thing pretty hardcore. I like it so much. Mm -hmm. It's too good. All right, I'm ready. Let's do this. Sorry. Ah. Here we go. You're going to take a simp when someone says Peter. So... Peter! It said way more than I originally thought when I first put it down, but you get your Peter on. Everybody's like, Peter. Uh -huh. I came back for Wendy many times, always in the spring. Peter! Came back many times for Wendy. Always in the spring. Peter! Oh, when the window Peter. the window opens. Uh-huh. Peter, I can't go uh, with you. I've forgotten uh, how to fly. I know. <laughs> I always think he's like, I'm Peter Pan. I'm Peter Banning. He's like, you're Peter? And he's like, yes. You're no. Peter. No. And you're Peter? You're Peter? Yes. You're Peter? Yes. No. Yes. Peter? Yes. Is there an echo in here? Yes. My I'm... great and worthy opponent? Yes. No! Me! Oh, Who is this imposter? Peter flocking flying Ben! ben. Yep. <laughs> Comes out. They love no, it. you're not Peter. Is there an echo in here? Yes, I'm fucking Peter. That's like my favorite. So we gonna take a simp when you hear Peter. You gonna okay. take a simp wow. when someone says, Bangarang! Bangarang, old man. Nice. Or, uh, or if they crow. <laughs> yep. Okay, so you gonna take a simp should we bring, wait, wait, really quickly. Should we bring Bangarang back, though? Like, it, does there need yeah. to be an insurgence of that back into Sling? Like, I was watching I can it. I can hear that coming back. That shit right? was Bangarang right there. Dude, Ooh, yeah. Like, dude, like, was... Bangarang, Z, Bangarang this shit. Like, I just want to bring it back. <laughs> okay, well, fun fact. Fun fact, first fun fact. Like, first most. Sorry, get Like, most slang words or anything cool came for black people obviously and it is and it is a jamaican slang that means uprise or disturbing so it's that is totally them just being radical just bangarang nice uproar and so yeah that's what it means so yeah we can bring it back i mean jamaicans have been saying it forever but yeah we can bring it to the states <laughs> Let's do it. I'm ready. So you gon' take a simp. Take that simp. When someone calls Peter old or fat. So you Ooh. take a double simp when they're like, He's an old fat crapper man. <laughs> <laughs> oh. He's old. He's, He's old. fat. He's old. He's fat. Not so fat to me. 
not so fat to, to me. To me, yep. <laughs> not so fat to me. He's like, I could, uh, I could eat this for right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they call him old and fat pretty often. Even Hook calls him like yeah. old man. So yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. You gonna take some slams? I love that line when he's like, "Eat your heart out, you eat your heart out, you crinkled, wrinkled, fat bag, crinkled, wrinkled, fat bag." <laughs> You're a very poor-mannered young man. You're an ill-mannered young man. man. Do you know that? You're a sluggity worm. Come on. You can do better than that. I can't believe you're encouraging this. I love it. He's like, (laughs) math tutor. (laughs) They're so (laughs) Substitute chemistry teacher. Nearsighted gynecologist. I love that one. That you don't get until you're older. You're older. Yeah, I was like, how did they let that in there? I know. It's so good. Uh, They let that in there? They let that in there, and they let one ass. So that's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, it's too a, good. There's an ass in there. Yeah, and he's like Smee. Don't try to stop me. Don't try to stop oh, me. Oh yeah. Smee. Don't try to stop me this time, Smee. Don't you dare try to stop me this time, Smee. Try to stop me, Smee. You better get up off your ass. Get over here, Smee. <laughs> this is not a joke. <laughs> I'm committing suicide. suicide. Yep. Don't try to stop me, Smee. He's like, I'm not. I'm not going to try to stop, stop me. Stop me, Smee. Stop me. Get off of your ass and try to stop me. Mm-hmm. I used to always think that was like, I'm like, oh, he said ass. He is a cat. Oh he is a pirate. Um, you going to take a simp when there's a shot of just the hook. So when Smee Ooh. comes down with the hook, I even love. Even the little hook? Even the little one that they give Jack? Yep, I like. I'll even take the little hook that's on the door that holds the door to the nursery the open. Nice, mm-hmm. the windows yeah. closed. That's a yep. good one. Uh, yeah. I love the Embrace shot. Brace yourself, lad, because this is I... really going to hurt. <laughs> I love it when they're bringing the hook on the pillow, hook. and it's just like. Yeah. Here's the hook. Here's the hook. Yeah. So like when he changes the hook from like where he has like his little winch take it off so he could put his like Confounded Drusilla Glove Me. The game is about to start. Glove yeah, confounded Drusilla Glove Me. <laughs> Give me my bubbly. I want my bubbly. So anytime there's a nice close up of the just the hook, you go ahead and take a slip. Take a slip. Cause that means like shit's it. about to go down. Cheers to that. Mm-hmm. You gonna take- I should warn you guys, I'm going to be doing this all night. This is one of my favorite movies of all time and one that I know pretty much by heart. Hell yeah. Well, Keep it coming, baby. I'm glad we're part of the Hook Club here. Yeah. <laughs> I love that we're all getting shocked about this because it's such an impact on all of our lives. Mm-hmm. For yeah, sure. Definitely. I think so. I mean, I can agree. So um, you're going to take a simp. When Peter is on his old ass cell phone, he got the flip. Boy, get him out of here, will you? I'm on the phone call of my life. Uh, With the antenna. Peter, Peter, you there? Brad, hi. You've been holding this long? Brad. Brad. You've been on hold this whole time? (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, this is. I'd love to stay and talk, but I have to climb a drain pipe right now. (laughs) That's because I ran out of fairy dust. Why? Because I ran out of fairy dust. Of course not. I would have flown up. Why? <laughs> so yes, it's when he is at Maggie's play. He's answering the phone. Yeah, this is when they when do that draw. draw. In the, at the elevator, stupid right phone draw. Right. Yeah. 
I love it when Nana buries it and he he like undig he digs it out and he holds it up and he's like, wow. <laughs> just, oh, like, what, like, oh wow, wow, there's just a phone. Wow, <laughs> what is this? One. He's like, oh my god. That just shows how strong those old ass phones are because it sat out in the snow for like overnight and it still yeah. works. Our phone would be fucked. <laughs> to this day, my favorite phone was my Nokia uh, brick phone. Oh, yeah. We could put Snake. <laughs> yup. Snake, email, text, and calls. That's all you got. That's hey. all you needed. So you don't take a simp when Tink is just a light. So when they kind of show her flying, not necessarily the close-ups of her, mm-hmm. but when she's, you know, a light ball flying. Just a little glow. Yeah. Like when I lo- she first comes at Peter. Yep. Firefly from hell. Firefly from hell. (laughs) Hell. (laughs) And uh, I, yeah, I kind of like that because it's a nice nod to the stage play because Tink is always just a fluttering light. That is correct. On the set. Mm -hmm. So uh, Mm -hmm. I always like to see that. So take a simp on those. You're going to take a simp when someone says, gotta fly, gotta fight, gotta crow. Have to fly. Have to fight. If they say it a couple times, they even crow mm-hmm. sometimes yeah. at the end. Got to save yeah. Maggie. Got to save Jack. Have to save Maggie. Have to save Jack. Okay, Smack. <laughs> yeah. Poor Toodles. He's forgotten how to fly. He lost his marbles. He lost his yeah, marbles. He lost them good. <laughs> oh, he lost them good. They're his happy thoughts. And they didn't forget, he didn't forget them. Like, you know, he never forgot about Neverland and, you know, the Lost Boys never forgot about him. None of it. Yeah. That is a movie that has to be made, though, because Toodles, what, is he going back to Neverland as he flies away? Like, what happens to Toodles as an old man in Neverland? Like, what, no. what goes on? I think he, he'll end up being like how Peter was. Like Peter came back and he once he could fly again, he turned back into being Peter Pan. He was just That's an true. old man, Peter Pan, but he still thought and like kind of talked like a kid. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that's what would end up happening to him. But he I think Toodles would have a quicker transition, though, because he kept that uh, kid nature about childlike him, mind even yeah. into his old age. Mm-hmm. Thanks to Wendy, obviously. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I know he was so dedicated to her forever. There was talk of it they were supposed to marry. I don't know if it was like in one of the books or it was this script. It's definitely not in one of the books. Okay, so in this script they kind of thought that at first they were going to make it that like they end up getting married Toodles? and they're just yeah, and they're just old together. Wow. Okay. And that's why she can't get rid of them because that's her son or her husband. They but they take out that line because they were like, after all, Toodles is Wendy's first orphan. Yeah. I know. He was. <laughs> she adopted him, then she married him. I mean, it, him. it's still a little <laughs> weird because, like, you see Wendy, she does still have feelings for Peter. Like, she's just like, oh, yeah. oh my God. But then, like, he doesn't well, look at he... her like that. He, she's still his grandma. He's like, Gra- Grandma Wendy, like, what the fuck are you talking about? Why are you always flirting with me? This is weird. Like, <laughs> Control yourself, yeah, woman. Whoa, woman. <laughs> no, but it is always indicated that Peter was her first love, her first yeah. true love. He kept coming yeah. back for her, man. Yeah, but he didn't have the capacity to love at that point when they were young. So you gonna take a simp when Wendy's name is said. So you can take Gra- Grandma Wendy. Don't worry, it's Grand Wendy. I wasn't going to leave. Or just Wendy. Wendy used to sit in that chair. Granny Wendy. Granny. Granny Grammy. Granny Wendy. Whatever. Old Lady Wendy. Young Wendy. Aww. Take it. Drink it. Even if Wendy you, lady. If you see it 
written down like in the door to Peter's little tree home. You can take a sip on mm. that too, because it's written there. It's written there. That it is. So you gonna take a simp every time a pirate gets shot. So oh he's stealing second. He's stealing second. No, 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 no! Stop it! We're playing this game according to Master Jack's rules. Bad form. Bad form. Bad, Bad form. form. <laughs> I love where I love where he's like, pull out your weapon, and he pulls out his checkbook, and then he shoots through the checkbook, and he just shoots the fire behind him, and he just collapses. <laughs> that gets me every time. That's so funny to me. <laughs> to prove a point, he'll kill his you own men. You don't give a shit about his crew. <laughs> I don't care. I don't care. No, nope, not at all. <laughs> I'll even take the boo box because that person definitely had to die in there. Oh yeah. That. That scene alone terrified the hell out of me. Yeah, it used to scare me. It would honestly, like, that was the most terrifying thing that could possibly happen to you. I grew up here in Florida, and there's scorpions in the palmetto bushes, like, all over the country land. And I would just, if I had to get stuck in a box with scorpions, I would just, like, and I would cry, and I'd have nightmares about it. Ooh, that's because you live uh, in... Florida, which is like the American Australia where everything could kill you out there. Yeah, basically. (laughs) I live in a prehistoric Jurassic Park, basically. But uh, can I say a little fun fact? Give it to me, baby. Uh huh. The uh pirate that goes into the boo box is our girl, Glenn Close. Academy Award winner, Glenn Close. It's going to be the one of many cameos we're going to talk about tonight because there's so many. No shit. I didn't know that know. until this week. I always knew that person looked odd. Not like in a bad mm. way, but you could tell that they put on some fake beards and stuff. But I never really realized that was her until like this year. I got to rewatch it now. It's like, I know. She's wild. I loved it. That's a little fun fact. And again, we're in a, there's so many cameos to talk about. I'm so excited. like, it's okay. You can tell your captain. She's <laughs> I did. Yes, you made a boo boo. I did. Mm. I did. The boo box. No, I, no, I boo. The boo box. No! You made a boo boo, didn't you? I, I did. did. I, I made did. Boo. I did. the boo box. No! no, not the boo box. Not the boo box. I love it. Oh my god. So you go finish your drink when Wendy tells Peter who he is. She's like, "Don't you know who you are, Peter?" Peter, don't you know who you are? Like, yeah. He's like, yeah, Peter Banning, bitch. And she's like, girl, you only remember to be in 12? What happened before 12? <laughs> you don't remember? <laughs> nothing. I was born at 12. <laughs> he's like, nothing. There was nothing there. And she's nothing. like, That's dang. Really you succumb Stories are true. And she, it's Maggie Smith, so you're like, I believe you. I believe you. Uh-huh. Like, you it's say so it. You're my uh, favorite professor from Hogwarts, bitch. Maggie Smith. I love her. I love that she was like 56 and they made her look like a 94-year-old woman. And you're just like, she still looks amazing, always. My like, grandma, my grandmother <laughs> is going to be 94 next month. And she don't look wow. that good. <laughs> they, didn't do, they didn't do it no justice. And my grandma's black. So you know it took a long time for her to crack. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Dude, how, how long has she been playing an old lady? For our entire like life. 40, 50 years. It's exactly. like, it's her and Morgan Freeman. They were born mm-hmm. old. And they, by the time we realized who they were, 
they were just, they were really old. Dame Maggie Smith, though, did do a lot of work, though, early on in, like, her earlier career. Yeah. Mostly stage and whatnot over in England, so. That's true. She's 86 <laughs> now. She's still not as old as she, what she would ca- be. What her character She was, is. like, 50 when she was playing Mother Superior in Sister Act. Oh, yeah, we talked mm-hmm. about that. And she was claiming to be the oldest one there. Besides yeah. Agnes, who had the the hearing aid. Turn it up, Agnes. Turn your pack on. Turn your pack on. <laughs> oh, my God. So you're going to finish your drink. <gasps> finish that drink. When Peter plays the eating game. You're playing oh, with us, Peter. You're playing. You're, you're doing it. Doing what? Using your imagination, Peter. doing it peter you're doing it peter playing with us look at it oh my god that's my favorite scene of the whole movie and i'm not gonna lie i'm not gonna lie it's my favorite i just i've always wanted to eat at that feast we will and we'll have a food fight i've always wanted to be in a food yeah. fight i've never been in one gonna be cakes and pastries and just mm-hmm. everything steak and eggs and cup of coffee Ooh, beautiful all of it all of it where's the real food what's the deal where's the real food I found what the popo drink is that he's drinking. He's like, how do you like it, Peter? How is it? Bangarang. Bangarang. I had to know what was in that drink. And it's a papaya like smoothie with this coconut whipped lather on top. It's so good. Like, I want to try it. But it looked like it was served hot. Maybe not. Didn't look. I didn't know. I don't know. I always thought it was like a. Was there steam coming off of it? I didn't see steam. I don't know. As a kid, I just always assumed it was like a hot chocolate kind of deal. Little man says drink your boba or something along the lines of that. I thought it was popo. Drink your popo, Peter. Uh-huh. That's what my closed captioning said. As I got older, it sounded like he was saying drink your boba, Peter. Like How boba is tea? It? I hate I boba know, right? tea. I'd be like, I don't like this. I do too. Why would I imagine I boba it. tea? Oh my god, I freaking love the tapioca balls. Give me no. those balls. No. I love sucking them up the straw. No. Oh, that big no. ass Fuck straw. That. No. Tapioca balls. <laughs> so you're going to finish your drink when Hook gets eaten by the crocodile. So when the clock falls. <laughs> I want my mommy. Yep. Oh my god. So Cut to. And then he burps. <laughs> yep. I love. It's gone. Yep. I love it when Maggie's like, it's a, he's just an old man who doesn't have a mommy, and he calls. And that's the last he, thing he says is he wants his mommy. I know when she's when he's carrying her away, she's like, you need a mother very very badly. You need a mommy, mommy real, real bad. <laughs> to tell you you're bad and to stop making you be mean to people. Damn it, Maggie. She's so Such cute. a cutie. I know. So do you guys have anything you would like to add to the drinking game? I kind of do, but let me hear what you got. I think whenever someone says bad form, bad form. or good form, Ooh, like, when forms. like when they're fighting, remember, and Peter goes, good form, old man. Good form, old man. And he like mocks Dustin Hoffman, yep. but then he like loses the advantage in the fight. And you're like, ah, oh, Peter, why? Because you know? it wouldn't be Peter Pan but, if he didn't make fun of him. 
Oh, no, of course. No, 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 of course. I, he, I completely condone all of Peter's actions. Uh, but I think, yeah, any good form or bad form, bad form is my, I would add those. Okay. Any good, any forms. I think that anytime you hear a ticking of a clock, you should take a drink. Oh, shit. Ooh, that's a good one. That Since we are one. drinking the tick, of, tick of, of a clock. Yeah. That's a good one. Should we also do a finish your drink when Tinkerbell gets big? It's the biggest, biggest wish she's ever had. It's the biggest feeling she's Your ever had. You're humongous. She just wanted to be on the same set with another human being, so she said. <laughs> I just wanted to give Peter that kiss. That, that sweet, sweet kiss. Yep. Uh-huh. And I'm not talking she, about a thimble, baby. Nope. Uh-uh. <laughs> And she's been waiting a long time for this one, too, because I bet she felt a little weird, you know, a wise old pixie having a crush on a little boy. It's like 12 or whatever. It's either that or a pirate. The only people who are adults are pirates. And we kill pirates. We kill pirates. I'm not a pirate. I'm a lawyer. Kill the lawyer! Kill the lawyer! I'm not that kind of lawyer. I got one addition if you're feeling bold enough, and that is you got to take a simp anytime that you hear them talk about their happy thought. Ooh, think of a wonderful thought. Because I don't know about y'all, but taking a simp is a happy thought for me. Any happy little simp. (laughs) (laughs) This drink is damn good. It is very good. I'm ready to make a second one already. All right, well, that is... The motherfucking drinking, drinking game. game. Uh, yes, uh, I forgot to join you. I was drinking. <laughs> so um, we are doing the movie Hook, like we've been talking about for the last like thirty minutes. And here's <laughs> if you didn't know, if you didn't we're know, doing Hook. we're doing Hook. So let me hear you, hit you with the stats. Give me those stats, stats, stats. I want to hear those stats, stats, stats. Stat me up. <laughs> I'm starting up. Okay. <laughs> I feel stat up. So, for the stats, this movie dropped December 11th, 1991, baby. The budget for this movie was $80 million. Wowzers. Wowzers. Yes. yes. And the $80 million, if you translate that into 2021 money, that would be $155 million to make this movie. Holy mother of holy. The reason why mm-hmm. is that the majority of this movie is a set. The only things that mm-hmm. is not a set is basically the baseball game at the beginning of the movie. Everything else is built. Can I give you all a fun fact about that set? Ooh. Yes. yes. Give that fun fact. Jason's fun that, fact. That set is on the Sony lot. I believe they're owned by Apple now. It is the second biggest set in the world. It is the same set where they filmed Wizard of Oz. So Munchkinland and all that was filmed right there. I was on that set a few years ago with Ashley. Then she showed me the set. It is fucking huge because they were filming For All Mankind at the time. Yep. And they put the entire moon on that set. Yeah. Whoa. So you can feel and, that and moon And by the moon, shit. I mean kitty litter. Yes. <laughs> That is so cool that you've been there. That is, like, really fucking cool. Dude, I was walking around. I was like, this place is humongous. Wow, I can only imagine. the. This is Neverland. They put a fucking boat in there. Dude, the Jolly Roger, man. Oh, my God. There are tree houses all in there. Granny Mm -hmm. Wendy's. 
little flat or whatever is all up in there. That's all fake. That's all the set. Wow. Yeah. So wait, when all... they're in London, when yeah. they walk up to Granny Wendy's place. Yep. Set. Oh, okay. Like I said, there is nothing outside except the baseball game, pretty much. Well, that's what I can really love and appreciate that about this movie, because like this is top favorites, but like one like top two favorite films of all time, like The Dark Crystal. Like the production for me is everything. The puppets, the the attention, and like the fact that it's just the magnitude of these sets. It was spectacular. It was. It was so visually stimulating to just look at every little thing here and there. It's almost like they threw everything in it and had every little detail all sorted out. It's just beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's gorgeous. That's it. probably Ashley's favorite mo- part of the movie, actually, is when yeah, they're walking I... down the street to uh, uh, Granny Wendy's and Peter's got the wrong address. And knocks on the door and Toodles opens. And he's like, Remember, you're in England, land of good manners. Uncle Toodles. It's snowing! He slams the door. (laughs) Jack starts laughing and choking on his gum. He chokes on his gum. (laughs) Well, well, it also... He, like, there's Peter with the prefaces, remember, England, the land of manners. <laughs> and that's the first thing that happens. Toodles he doesn't even... from England. He's from Neverland. <laughs> no, and then, and then Liza opens the door. And... He's like, hey, Lisa. Lisa. Uh, uh, it's good to see you. Libby, uh, Linda, uh, Lisa. Liza. I said, he does it like that. twice. Liza. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Let me stat this. Okay, so... With that eighty million dollars it cost for them to make this movie, they made three over three hundred million dollars, yeah. which in twenty twenty one money would be about five hundred and eighty four million dollars, and that's worldwide. Shit, they got my ten fifty. Yeah, I definitely went to the movies to go see this. And yes, I did. It, I did not, but I'll share that story after you finish the stats. All right, Rotten Tomatoes, you guys, you ready? Uh, I am not scared at all. Okay, critics, 29%. These motherfuckers! <laughs> fucking idiots. I always, I just really never have expectations for the critics. You gotta they, be shitting me. They fucking disappoint me every time. That's insane. That's just a lot insane. Of, from what I read, a lot of critics did not see this as being original, which I think is bullshit because it takes the Peter Brand story that we already know, it flips it on its fucking ass and gives you something else to think about and to see oh. instead of just the same story of him and the Lost Boys being a little kid. So I feel like they were just hating on Spielberg and uh-huh. everybody Absolutely. who had to do with, with it because he went from being, you know, Mr. Jaws, Close Encounters and all these fucking big shit to going to do, you know, a kid movie that's not as dark as like E.T., but you know, still is a good kid movie that a family, all families can like it. My dad Dude, watched it today. But he also did Indiana Jones. And, he did. And right so before this. He did Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade literally right before he, he did this film. And that's Don't like. Fuck yourselves, critics. This is bullshit. Yeah, it's just upsetting. It really honestly just. I'm never surprised, though. Honestly, never surprised. Hateful, cynical assholes. And I think they this were also... This is one of the best stories ever told. Yeah. Mm-hmm. End of this version, too. Like, knowing the original storyline and having a continuation like this, it's just, it's so heartwarming and beautiful. It really yeah. is. It mm-hmm. really I cried is. today watching this movie. Me, too. I have seen this movie <laughs> a hundred times. And nobody wants to you see You cannot tell me that, that a 20-whatever percent movie... Can do that. Twenty nine percent didn't even 29%. make thirty. 
I really think also this has to do a lot with the big controversy that was going around, how like it was really difficult with some big name stars on the set. Yeah. And they were feeding into this like huge media propaganda of like just tormenting these this actress who we know is Julia Roberts. And just I think they were feeding into that and just making it bigger than it was. And I think that's also a big negative for the critics as well. I just think I just think they're being cruel. I think because that's just ridiculous. This movie is definitely better than twenty nine percent. I don't accept it. I don't accept it. And I'm so triggered. And right now. just to show you how much money it made, it has to show you that you were wrong. Oh yeah. <laughs> that means that kids, some kids saw it a couple times. Some kids went to school uh-huh. and told their friends. Dude, this weekend we saw the new hook, so fucking good. And then they went to go see it. I know, yeah. I know that that's how it went down because that's how it went down with me. Like, yeah, <laughs> you couldn't have told me. I mean, there were toys, there was video games, there was cartoons. Especially after this, it just was too good of a story. Who doesn't want to have another Peter Pan story? Since we're on the subject of kids watching this movie, I'm gonna tell y'all my story right now. <gasps> yeah, do it. Shit. So this movie, I did not see in the theaters because, well, we was broke. So I saw it a couple years afterwards. It was my one choice for my birthday to rent this movie. So we went to the video store. I love this. And my mom said, you can rent two movies. And my older brother, Daniel, talked me into renting Juice. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. Your mom lets you 10-year-old Juice? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I seen way worse than that before ten. I know, I, I know. <laughs> and my mom let me rent one more, and I chose Hook, yep. which I didn't watch that night because Daniel wanted to watch Juice. So fucking shit. Daniel, ain't even his birthday, but we watched Juice on my birthday. Shit. <laughs> so what happened was we ordered some pizza, we watched Juice. It was a good night, and the next day I got in my first fight at school, <gasps> which I didn't start either. Joe started it. Was with my brothers getting me into shit. Oh. Oh no, I won the fight. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm wrong. But like you weren't a fight starter. No. I didn't start the fight. But he fucking finished it. <laughs> Joe didn't like him. Joe was two years older than him. He told me I had to fight him. Turned into this whole thing. We fought in his front yard. I beat his ass. Ten years old. We went home and we ate leftover pizza, birthday pizza and cake, and we watched Hook. And it was one of the best damn movies of all my 10 years. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, The Lion King came out that year, too, so I can't say it was the absolute best. I mean, Lion King, <laughs> it, it changed some shit. It did. Yeah, it did. <laughs> it changed the game. It changed the game. But Hook was fantastic. I was a Robin Williams fan from then on. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. to this day. So the Lovely. audience score was 76%. So not as good as I thought it should be, but Still it's way happy. better than Yeah, that's really happy. ridiculous. Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes, you take that shit with a grain, a small grain of salt. But I want to throw Rotten Tomato at Rotten Tomatoes. Yep. I am so, I can't believe it. 75%, well, really? 76%. 76? Dude, yeah. you can't spring that stuff on me. I'm sorry. I've been drinking. Okay, well then let's <laughs> then let's talk about the score that really matters. The ZZ Fresh. ZZ Fresh, baby. <laughs> so the ZZ Fresh, I give it a 92%. Because I think it Ooh. is really good. I love the sets. I love the costumes. I love the story. I love the cast. 
The only reason why it's not a hundred is because I do not really like Julia Roberts' character. It brings her scenes seem like they bring everything down, at least to me, or it slows everything down because we have to deal with her very flat performance, uh, mm-hmm. which I will say is not necessarily her fault. I mean, she did have a difficult job given to her to do your entire shit on a green screen to nobody and never be around Robin Williams. When that's the reason why most people signed on to this movie, I'm sure. (laughs) It's because I might have to get to do a scene with them. So that's my score. What about you, Lenny? Uh, The Lenny Zest over here. I'm going to have to say 98%, man. Can't go full 100 because... It can be a little corny, and I'd be like, oh, gosh, like, yeah. come on, it's so corny. But it's, to me, a really perfect movie. The costumes, the set, I, like, want to be there. My favorite is when they're turned, like, they're looking at the sunset of Neverland, and all I've ever wanted is to go to Neverland. <laughs> Good night, <laughs> like, Neverland! Get... Good night, Neverland! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I got 98%. I'm 98%. It's mad love. Mad love for that film. I can't. All right. So what is our Jason Jam? I I give it 100. I'm sorry. I think it's a perfect film. The story is great. The acting is great. Even Julia Roberts, although many people judge her performance, she did an interpretation that Mm -hmm. she believed in. She was honest in her delivery. It may not be what most people stereotypically expect from Tinkerbell. They expect this feisty little blonde, and that's not what Julia Roberts is. Mm -hmm. Now, did they cast Julia because of her star power? Absolutely. Yes. Um, But I believed everything that she said, and I just absolutely adore this film. I, I didn't know it, du- Dustin Hoffman was Hook until I was like 20-something years old. Me too. Oh, so good. Me too. So I didn't good. know it And was I'm still finding out shit to this day. I didn't know Glenn Close was in this. What the hell? Dude, we got so many more I, fucking fun facts. We're going to blow your mind right now. Yeah. It's incredible. It's incredible. I got to give it up and because Spielberg is one of my favorite directors of all time as well. Mm-hmm. Cheers I mean, to that. Cheers to that. Mm-hmm. I do have to say, every Spielberg movie on this show, you did pick. <laughs> yeah, not only that, I got to add this in. The CGI, uh, the graphics and everything for 1991, that's all Spielberg's vision. Because yeah. mm-hmm. I watched some shit today on Netflix. Not going to say what it was, Yeah. but don't get me wrong. Great acting, great story. The visual effects took a nosedive. And I could see the visual effects where when I watch a Spielberg visual effects, I don't see them. I see the story. Yeah, Exactly. Well, because it also adds during that time, like a lot of the production that's going into to surround that effects that they do, the CG. Like, Absolutely. It's, it's beautiful. It's almost, it's yeah. innocent and real. It's almost like when you watch the old Star Wars movies yeah. and you see the old like digitals and that too. You're like, oh my God, okay. Yeah. He <laughs> knows it's when it's good. worth it to build something and when it's not. When it's not. Exactly. I mean, I we agree. talked about this last t- last week with uh, Fifth Element about mm-hmm. like, you know, it, it still holds up even though, you know, 
technology has moved forward so much. So much more. Well, because this movie was made even, too, right before the huge, like, digital dominance hit the Hollywood scene. So it probably was really, really hard to have to go through post-production and and doing all these things. And then, like, years later, it comes available. You're like, fuck, I could have done this. I could have done this. I I don't even... Can't even imagine the possibilities of the things that go on in a director's brain after everything that becomes available after well, the project is finished. Some of the special, oh, yeah. the special and practical effects that they were going to do for the Lost Boys to fly. Yeah, you can fly, you can fly, you, you can, can fly. fly. But come only, on, Nana. Um, but this one, it was going to be too expensive to make all of these. I think it's twelve kids. Uh, fly yeah. fly that would be insane yeah the manpower yeah. they would have to do to like hoist these kids up and all the special effects they would have to add it was just going to be too hoist much them up it. raise the kitties <laughs> <laughs> for real they i just know i think you could, I could do get kind of bummed that we don't get to see Rufio fly. You're like, come on, let Rufio fly. And mm-hmm. I really think that Maggie, when she realizes that it's her father, like that moment. Peter Pan's my dad. Peter Pan's, Peter my, Pan's dad? my dad. Mm-hmm. She like makes that uh, recognition. I really feel like that's her happy thought right there. Can't she just start flying? Can't she be like part pan too? Because she's but, well, she, needs she the didn't pixie have any fairy dust. dust. Yeah, she needs the pixie Can't dust. Can she be born with the fairy dust? Nah, because even Peter Pan ran out of it. I know. Yeah, it's true. Look at that's the only thing. Toodles or Tootie? What's the what's the other Toodles? Toodles. Toodles. He, he, had he in his. Yeah. He couldn't leave until he got his marbles. That's where his fucking fairy dust was. That's where yeah. his fairy dust was. He's like shit. Forgot to bring my marbles. <laughs> All right, but as soon as he gets them, he's up in the air. Oh uh, yeah, he's gone. His happy no. thoughts one are happy there. Thought he's ready you. to go. One yeah. for you, one for me, and one for me. He's like, see you later, <laughs> bitches. He's out. I think it's time for our Lenny l- literary. I don't know. I was trying to rhyme something with books. <laughs> <laughs> Lenny's Literary this? Library. Yeah. Oh, there from, we go. From books to films. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> it is. Oh yeah. Okay. Announce it so it sounds good. Do it. It's time <laughs> for. It's time for Lenny's Literary Library from books to films. Wow. She wow, is wow. our. Dude, I just want to sit on a carpet, like in child's pose, and listen to you talking about this. Oh, she is our. <laughs> book Remember when our teachers queen. used to read books to us? I'm yeah. ready. Oh. Lenny's our book when... queen. She always lets us know the lowdown on uh, the books that are made into movies. So let's see. Once it. upon a time. Well, well, sorry. Now I'm thinking of it. <laughs> totally wrong. Totally, totally wrong. So uh, Peter Pan, loving, beautiful. There's so many films made about this one original story. Uh, It was written actually by J.M. Berry, who is a Scottish novelist. He was back in the early 1900s, was living in London, and he wrote this adult novel actually that was called The Little White Bird in 1902. And that's where you first see Peter Pan like emerge onto the literary scene and then he comes in. It's that whole story of how he's a baby, he's like seven days old 
or seven, yeah, and he, like, escapes in a carriage because he doesn't want to grow up and, like, live the life his parents want. And you actually see that represented in the film. Remember when Peter yeah. and Marine? So yeah. That's, so that's, that's his real origin story. So that is actually the real origin story from the very first time you hear Peter. And it was, like, Peter in Kensington, I want to say. Yeah, Peter Pan in Kensington Gardens. That's, like, where it all started. And then it moves into, uh, becomes the play that we know from the West End. Uh, it's on the West End stage in 1904. People see it December 27th, and that's when they're like, oh my God, we have to have this as like a full novel. And so he started in 1911 writing the book that we know, Peter and Wendy. That's actually the title of the book, Peter and Wendy. Everyone's like, it's Peter Pan. It's like, no, it's Peter and Wendy. It's the novel you she's holding, Maggie Smith, at the very beginning of the movie, and she's like, it's time. Hand me my book. Like, I've tried so hard to tell you, Peter. And she's, like, yep. holding the Peter and Wendy book when she opens it. And he's holding his, his chest out with his arms to his side like, I am Peter Ben. But, like, he doesn't mean to. Can I, I give love it, that part. I love that part, too. Um, can, I give you a fun, can I give you a fun fact on top of your fun facts? I love fun facts. Give me those fun facts. So I wanted to look up what, uh, how much it would cost for an original print of a Peter Pan. Ooh, really? Peter what? and Wendy. I'm sorry. Peter and Wendy. You could buy one for $15,000 to $400. Oh, my God. Yeah. $15,000 for an yeah. original printing? That's, like, in best condition. So some that Whoa. don't have, like, the... the Illustrations? The, it has some damage to it, you know, some wear and tear or, you know, water damage or some sun damage or it doesn't have They this, broke like, the bind. I hate it when people freaking break the they bind. Bend it so, yeah. Just like crack yeah. it. Like, what is wrong with you? What is so, wrong with you? So you could get it for about $400, especially if you don't have the dust jacket. That also brings down your value on the book. So if you got some old ass relatives in your house, like, you know, and they happen to pass. Check those shelves. And you're cleaning out their house. Check and see if they have an original... Peter and Wendy book from 1911 because that mug could bring you $15,000. Damn. Awesome. And if not, $400. And that's still fucking good. It's a car payment and like some booze. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have a car payment. Give me the booze. It's just booze then. You know? (laughs) Okay, I'm sorry. I could use it. This is out. We're out of tequila in this house. (laughs) Oh. We Mexicans, sorry. <laughs> okay. I will be making this drink until I run out of ginger. I love it. I'm like it's obsessed really good. with this drink. It's yeah. really it's good. It's a really good drink. But he based, he really was a neighbor to this beautiful family. It was the Wellen Davies family. They lived right down the street on the block and they had kids, uh, George, Jack, and Peter. And he spent a lot of time with them. J.M. Barry spent a lot of time with his family in the park because they went to the same park. He would walk his St. Bernard and the kids would be playing and they became very close. Uh, he constantly was, uh, their mother, Sylvia, she was constantly a companion of his. They talked a lot. They discussed books and things and he invited them to their cottage. So there's a lot of, did he have an affair with this woman? They were both married separately. If you really want to hear like a cute story of like the Wellen Davies family, this is really cool. Is that you guys have probably seen it? The Finding Neverland film really goes yeah. into the, yeah, it goes into like the deep detail of yes, Johnny Depp, and uh, all those memes that go along with it when he's sitting on the bench <laughs> the with bench. the little boy. I was like, <laughs> on the bench. <laughs> I know. 
<laughs> Dude, oh there's God. so many memes. <laughs> it's ridiculous. She based a lot of the characters off of these kids and telling yes. stories to them and adventures with them and stuff like that. I would like to think in the world of Hook, he was their neighbor and he used to come over and chill. And then they would tell them about their adventures in Neverland and he wrote them down. Mm-hmm. That- well, I mean, it, it all started when they t- he took them to, it was the Black Lake Cottage. And they, he, he actually has photographs. It's really, really cool. Him and the boys created this, this, this reality and they made up this story called The Boy Castaways of Black, uh, Black Lake Island. And that was the start of all of these stories coming together and all their little adventures with the Llewellyn Davies boys. And it was a relationship, like a friendship that happened long over time. Like it wasn't just like a couple of years here and there. They were really close family friends. Okay, so let's get into this movie. So let's talk about the director, Mr. Steven Spielberg, which we have talked about on Sir the show. Stevie! Yeah. Sir Steven Spielberg. And we've talked about Steven Spielberg for Jaws and Jurassic Park. So this mm-hmm. is our third. Oh, and Color Purple. So this is our fourth yep. Steven Spielberg movie that we're doing here. So if you want to know any of his like fun facts about like him growing up and how he gets started, I would suggest you go back to the Jaws ones because I watched, listened to a whole podcast and I laid all it out for you guys mm-hmm. on that one. But definitely, Steven Spielberg by this point was fucking killing the game. Yeah. Like you said, he got off right after doing Indiana Jones, which we know yeah. it's like one the of the last biggest crusade. Movies. One of the with Harrison movies. Ford and Sean Connery. I mean, oh my Sean God, Connery. that duo. He also had just done uh, Always. Audrey Hepburn's last film. Aww. It was Steven Spielberg. Sure. I mean, Spielberg. he always gives you a good film. Yeah, dude, I just saw Ready Player One for like the Ugh. third or fourth time the other day. Fantastic film. I was so just good. watching that. <laughs> it's such a great movie. It's like, such a great movie. I, like, I he would throws even... so many little things in there. Mm-hmm. That are the just, pop culture references. It's just uh-huh. perfect. You will definitely be back for that episode. We're going to need you to do some research on your own because that movie is so full of so many shit. We will so definitely, we will definitely com- miss things. It's de- it's so different from the book, too. It's unbelievable. And I, I actually, I would say that this is one of those movies I like more. I like the movie more than the book. Mm-hmm. See? And that comes from Lenny... Literary library. Lenny's literary library. (laughs) (laughs) It's a new thing now. I love it. I'm calling it. It's a thing. (laughs) Don't you need your library card members only? Ooh, can you punch my (laughs) my my library card? So library card. (laughs) The naughty librarians and (laughs) so Steven Spielberg started working on hook back in 1983 and but it was going to be more of the traditional peter pan story that we all know and love and Mm -hmm. he wanted the king of pop michael jackson to star as peter pan really yeah that whoa yeah steven spielberg one i'm very happy michael jackson i'm so happy he didn't do that in 1983 he was younger and he was the most famous person in the world at that point already Mm -hmm. 
And so mm-hmm. he'd be such a different Peter. He would be such a different Peter. I'm glad yeah. that he didn't do it. I love Michael Jackson, but definitely he is not yeah. a good actor. And this movie would have been kind of wasted on him. And she did not sugarcoat it. She I did didn't. not. Not I, gonna let it ride. And I know like, she loves Michael. I she love like Michael. loves Michael. Yes, <laughs> Mike. You can ease on down to another project. <laughs> to another project. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he did a really good job in The Wiz. Yes. But he was just because basi- him and Diana Ross were just like made for each other. Plus, he was yeah. just basically playing himself, but in yeah. scarecrow. So he didn't have much to stretch. He didn't have to be Peter Pan, which he thinks he's Peter Pan anyway. He used, he used to think so. so. That's what, he'd yes, he be did. Such a different Peter Pan. He would be very sure. childish. Yes, but we—it's not like we didn't get to see Michael Jackson in a Steven Spielberg collaboration because in 1986 yes, we, we got. Captain EO, Captain EO. in <laughs> Disneyland. And that is Fuck a yeah. Steven Spielberg and George Lucas original. How many times did you go on that ride? A kajillion. And then when he came back, I went, I got a magnet that I, I bought too. so I could have, like, I fucking love that shit. And you can watch it on YouTube, you know, on 3D'd <laughs> if you want to. But yes. Yep. So it's not like we didn't get a Steven Spielberg and Michael thing. We did. It was just in a good dose, good sized dose, not a whole two yeah. hour movie. No, I agree. He also ended up turning down the role, the role of being the, the role of being director <laughs> um, for this movie because around that time his first son was being born. So his first child was being born, Aww. and he did not want to be a dad that's working on a movie, and you know has to get the phone call and he can't be there so he turned it down and he worked on that instead being a dad which i totally get because he's one of those people that like completely is engulfed in his movies and i'm sure that his family now that they're like you know all grown know that like when dad's on a project he's on a project like yeah it's nothing to to be just like oh he's he's working no he's like real working like engulfed. yeah for real I remember watching his uh, documentary and somebody was uh, giving a talk back about him and it was one of his longtime friends and they were talking about uh, one of his first marriages and they heard him on the phone or something like that. And he said, you know, I can't bleep you right now. I'm bleeping my movie right now. Mm-hmm. Like wow. that's how much he's obsessed with his movies. Yeah. Mm. So... Which makes sense, cause like I'm looking at this, and uh, he took some time between Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and Hook, so that he could do it right. He did, however, do second unit directing on Arachnophobia right before this. Yeah, the man never stops. Yeah, never. Because when he I took a little. I don't want him to. No, when I think of Steven Spielberg, like three things come to mind. It's like the money, the reputation, and the imagination. The man's got it all. Uh huh. Like, absolutely. He, anything he touches is perfect. Goonies 2, let's do this. Yeah. Goonies 2, <laughs> Electric really Boogaloo. Cool. You could get everyone to come back. That would be so cool. Yeah. They want to. It's they it's do. only uh, Spielberg that uh, has pumped the brakes on it. So, um, <laughs> I just get really bummed knowing that he didn't really like this movie. Yes. That like, really Wait. bums me out. He, what? I, we'll get there. Once he took all that time off, he ended up doing some more things like Empire of the Sun and, like you said, Indiana Jones always and then he finally got around to doing this movie but before he got around to doing this movie james v hearts end up being set in line to be the director of this movie after steven turned it down and so he is the reason why we have the movie the way it is because he was talking to his son about this movie and he asked him like well 
does Pan grow up? What happens? <laughs> what happens? Does Peter Pan ever grow up? And uh, James took this idea and ran with it. He was like, well, what if he really did grow up? What would he yeah. end up being? What would happen? And that's kind of the script that we got today. So he eventually ended up stepping down from being the director, but he is still credited for writing and coming up with the idea of this movie. And Steven slipped back in there and was like, okay, I had my babies. I made some millions off of all these gang of movies. Coming back to this movie I've been wanting to make forever because he read this book as a child. Like you said, he did not really care too much for this movie. I think it was mainly because of the technical visual effects that he had, it was not up to par for him, I think, mm -hmm. even though we- That could be it. Maybe he yeah. felt limited because he knew what was around the corner. What was around the corner. And mm -hmm. he Jurassic feels Park. like if he could be yeah. able to do it, like, you know, today, the shit that he would be able to do would rival, like, Ready Player One. So, exactly. like, so like he could do so much more now than he could do in 1990 and 1991. So sure. he was kind of stuck with what he had. And I think that is the reason why he did not like this movie because he couldn't get it as perfect as he wanted it. But yeah. he did make friends with one of his best friends, <laughs> Robin Williams on this movie. And no. they were friends until Robin Williams' death. And because of them being able to work on this, sparked him loving this movie again. So now he feels the way we feel about this movie. It just took some time for him. Sure. Because he's tried to watch this movie as like a remembrance of his good friend and he couldn't make it through without crying. So yeah. I think he's emotionally attached to this movie now on a different level that he does appreciate that he got to make this movie now. And, yeah. And, and I didn't cry at the end today you know when i started tearing up was uh after he finally learned how to fly and he's crowing and they they're all dancing around where they draw the line and everything yeah. i was just like a blubbering mess <laughs> i'm so still good. like i don't want rufio to die so i'm always sad i'm like i'm like ah you uh, baited him in there a... you fucking dick i know he's a Looking kid like, i got hooky so um this movie shoot schedule was supposed to be 76 days and the budget original budget for this movie was supposed to be 48 million dollars oh my gosh now wow. i definitely think that that 76 days was very ambitious for them to ever think that they could get it done in that amount of time especially you got a gang of kids a gang of extras uh so many different sets even though it's all on a sound stage which makes it easier to control 76 sure. days is still <laughs> that's still a shitload especially the way that steven spielberg likes to move the camera very ambitious for him but you know he he probably could have did if he really wanted to and so it ended up taking 116 days which sounds more like what i would think and it ended up costing like we said uh 80 million dollars to make this movie so they went way over the budget that they initially quoted they went way over the days that they initially quoted the actor so i know that like the office staff is so pissed because now they gotta go and get everybody to sign some more different fucking paperwork to say that oh yeah girl you're gonna be here for another like 50 days <laughs> like, <laughs> we gotta pay i'd be fine door. that's steady work yeah, that's yeah. steady work. Yeah, so Steven Spielberg said that the reason why this happened is that his process, was, he started slower than he normally does for a movie because he has his own process down on how he does things. And he kind of took his time on this one and time got the better of him. And 
But I mean, to and make you made a hundred percent movie on Rotten Tomatoes. Fuck you, critics. Fuck you, I know. critics. Jesus. Your twenty nine percent ass. I tell you right now, critics are gonna hate all my movies. I don't care. That's why people will like it. Hey, you think Tyler Perry gives a shit that his shit be getting like bad reviews on Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah. No, man, he's Come living on. in his mansion with his baby, looking yeah. out on his own motherfucking studio. That's what Fuck he doing. The critics. Fuck, <laughs> Fuck the, the critics. critics. The people yeah, know what they first. like. Well, also, one man, like, one person's opinion isn't every person's opinion. Like, and I mm-hmm. hate when they make it in that way. It's like, you don't have any right to judge whatever is happening right now. Exactly. I, always take, I really just take cr- critics with a grain of salt. Because, like... Money Train is a good movie. <laughs> Still mad. Still, Still mad. Still mad. <laughs> <laughs> Grown Ups was a good movie. I don't care what you say. Hell yeah, it was. <laughs> oh, man. But you guys should definitely listen it. to what we say and what our numbers are because they're the truth. <laughs> they're really the truth. We speak for the people. We speak yeah. for the people. Like Common, it's for the people. Yep. We're the right. fresh zest jam, baby, right here. <laughs> <laughs> the fresh zest jam. If you want to know any more about that, a uh, brilliant, brilliant man who... Gave us the movies E.T. and all of the first two, at least the first two Jurassic Park. I don't think he did number three. Number three sucks. His next movie is West Side Story. What do you guys think? I'm excited. That's Cor- right. Coronavirus definitely slowed us shit down for that. So I don't, I, I really oh, yeah. don't expect it to come out in December when it's supposed to, I believe. But who knows? <laughs> it's in post production right now. But so like, I'm, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. I love that Rita Moreno is back. Yes. But I don't think she's going to be in there very long because no. it's a young person's story. Yeah. But I'm glad that they put her back in there. I think that's fantastic. Yeah. But uh, also, because it's in post-production and because it's corona time, I think that they're going to spend way too much time in the editing room. And therefore, some exec producers are going to get involved. And yeah. hopefully they don't. But we'll see. Because producers always like to get their hands in there and make changes. To be honest with you, I don't think I've ever really heard a story, I mean, minus, like, young Steven Spielberg. But anything past, like, 1980, I feel like nobody fucked with him like that. They saw that he is... That's true. He is so good. So producers and the studio, they might come in, but they know that no matter what, even if it's a shitty movie, we're going to show up because it says Steven Spielberg on it. I'm going to go yeah. see it. Yeah. I and think Spielberg has honestly, final that's... cut on his movies. He's one of the, the, the handful of few directors who are so established yeah. that people will give him $80 million to make a movie and say, yes, you can have final cut. Yeah. Yeah. Him, I've... Scorsese. Yeah. Tarantino. Yeah. There's there's a handful of Very people handful. in the industry. Mm-hmm. And he's definitely one that. of them. I mean, especially after 1982 when he made E.T. And it just like, doof, there was nothing mm-hmm. anybody could ever say to him about the shit. Then he made like The Color Purple, Empire of the Sun, Indiana Jones, all the yeah. Jurassic Not Park. Not only that, Schindler's he's got his own List. studio. So Schindler's List. That, Amist- that shit. Yeah. Amistad, Saving Pride Ryan. I mean, he just like... And then it just keeps going. Yeah, going. The Minority Report, Catch Me If You Can, which I definitely want to do on the show. I fucking love that. Tom Hanks, hey. <laughs> I love Tom Hanks so much. I love Tom Hanks. Love him. Yeah, but honestly, we'll that's, again, his reputation, though. Like, people will always come out to see a Steven Spielberg, and they have such great expectations, like, every time. Like, they know they're going to see a Spielberg film, and they're going to be, like, satisfied and happy. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Like that's just how that that man operates, and I fucking love it. Like I would not want anybody else to do Ready Player One but him because I don't think anybody could have done it. It was I don't so think good. So either. <laughs> he, he has, that seems he has, so hard, man. <laughs> yeah. It just screams him. It that movie's so good. It's oh my so God. good. The whole when the whole scene when they're in The Shining is just so good. Can wow. I give you a little bit of a fun fact? Do it. So what I super love is you already commented about Steven Spielberg and Robin Williams, like ever perfect little friendship. Mm-hmm. I love it super much that during Schindler's List, Steven Spielberg would get like kind of solemn. It was very dark material. It was like really heavy on his soul. And Robin Williams would go out of his way to call Spielberg and like cheer him up uh, during their phone calls to like lighten the mood for him and like keep him going. And, and Steven Spielberg brought them like those conversations up in an interview and it was just like really lovely to watch him talk about it. <laughs> That's something that I have heard happen a lot that he with Robin Williams. Robin, Robin Williams. Williams. Like he's genuine. I believe yeah. uh, Sharon Osbourne was going through I think she had cancer. She was sick yeah, somehow. Yeah, she, like had, she went. She had breast cancer. Breast cancer, right? Yeah. So she was very down, not eating, not doing well. And Ozzy somehow got a hold of Ron Williams and kind of told him, like, yeah, she's not doing so good. And he straight up came as Patch Adams to her house, Stop. laid in bed with her, and, like, said jokes and just, like, brought her spirits up. So he That's was so great. totally a god sent in that way to many people that were going through some stuff because Schindler's List even if you're not Jewish is a tough ass thing to even That's like think movie. about all the time and I mean him doing Schindler's List and Amistad those are two of the most like saddest ass movies <laughs> about like people being killed for no reason and enslaved and putting camps and all that shit to be like dealing with that you need to have somebody to patch Adam's you because it's just, mm-hmm. that's just, you need that that's person. That's just how it is. Yeah. So we should definitely move into Robin Williams since we talked yeah, about him. Yeah, that was perfect because we're here. We could talk about the man. He's the best. Um, He's actually like my main dude. One of my heroes. And yeah. I'll never get over how much I love him for sure. <laughs> my love and admiration for him. I mean, he gave me like the confidence to be my little weirdo for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um. He's actually one of the biggest reasons I moved out to San Francisco. Z, so like, without even him, I never would have met you. Oh. But I loved it. He didn't, he wasn't born in Marin County, but he ended up moving there. He was born in Chicago. And then when his dad retired as executive vice president for Ford, <laughs> um, yep. he moved to Tiburon, California, which I think is so cute. Cause like we've been through, I've been through Tiburon. Yep. I like chilled in Tiburon. Mm-hmm. Um, I love how he just, is so natural with his talent like he he's amazing and he had a lot of schooling in it and I love that most of the time he never really completed any schooling that he started because he just would take on anything and automatically like transfer over like he went to Claremont College was a poli sci major and then just dropped out and then he went to the College of Marin which I know people that went to the College of Marin and that's yep. crazy to me yeah, I went to why... parties there I know <laughs> 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 it's like uh okay and like he studied the improv drama uh program there but then left because he auditioned and got into Juilliard in New York City and that's where he just his potential was just like knocked through and this is a guy who like when he was a child they thought he was like a shy kid 
Are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> could you? I just can't even ever imagine Robin Williams being a shy guy. Little shy guy. I, I can totally understand that. We have yeah. previously talked about him in Birdcage and Tu Wong Fu. He only had a small part in Tu Wong Fu. He only had a small part in Tu Wong Fu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was so great. Yeah, are you kidding me? The big, he's like the best... He's the club owner. He's like there. He's like, ooh, mm-hmm. who is this? And he's all flirting with fucking Chi <laughs> Chi. <laughs> so cute. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah. I feel like you cannot say enough about Robin Williams because he is an icon and he means so much to the three of us that like Dude. we can't not. Yeah. yeah. Like he, him just bringing like the comedy renaissance back to san francisco in the 1970s is just like a huge deal for me and like he got to i mean he he started basically holy city zoo which is so cool and it's right there on clement mm, between mm-hmm. fifth and sixth like right there down the street from stupid like buckshots you remember that stupid yes <laughs> buckshots but um i really just love the way he took this peter panning character uh to heart like Steven Spielberg even said this was like the antithesis of who Robin Williams was, but he put so much dedication into the role. And like, he's actually, it's this first 70 minutes is his favorite part of the film because it's Robin Williams playing this Peter Banning that's like coming to terms with like who he is and like trying to recapture uh, all that he's trying to like, to, to, to be that childlike live that childhood and be that child and, and all that feeling. So mm. I really, I love that. And then he used his own personal life to really become into that character as well because, you know, his dad was working all the time. He lived that life and he never blamed his father, but, you know, he definitely wanted a relationship with his father. So he really identified this, uh, this character. It's beautiful. He worked for Ford like he was like on the line or he like was like a corporate dude. He was a corporate dude. He was an executive vice oh. president. So he was like always just out of town, like yeah. probably boozing and schmoozing and uh, making deals. You know yeah. what I mean? Wheeling and dealing. You want to pump my trunk? You want to check under my hood? I you mean, know? that's something that you have to think about, especially men. I want men to mainly think about that because I feel like time and time again, especially on the show, we talk about how actresses retired because they became a mom or stopped working for like a decade because they became a mom but we don't see that so much on men's end mm-hmm. um but this movie totally shows like your kids are not happy and they're kind of you know pissed and they're gonna be evil little shits because they didn't get the attention and love that they normally get or they should get and you know the mom's trying but hey girl i can't do it if you're not here and the kids want you and he rather like you know the next day after this, we're getting on a plane and it's his baseball game. You should have been like, look, y'all come together, figure out what's going on. Someone give me the cliff notes. I'll sign off on this because I got to go to the fucking game. This is yeah, his last game. Exactly. I have to go. I went to my daughter's play. I have to go to his game. Like, And actors do have to deal with this as well. I know that, uh, what is mm-hmm. his name? From The Walking Dead, the guy who plays Rick Grime. He's not a going. Mm-hmm. He's not in the last like two or three seasons of The Walking Dead because he was like, "Look, my family lives in England because he's British," and he was like, "And mm-hmm. I'm filming in Georgia, and <laughs> I don't get to see my kids half of the year. Like, this is not fair to them. I have a young family. This is the time I have to be here." I super love uh, Dustin Hoffman made this like did this interview during that time, and he said like. All three of us, it was like an autobiographical in a sense with the Peter Banning character because you can't 
do this kind of work and not find that you are sacrificing a regular life. Yeah. Yeah. Like whether they, they really identified with that. And it's, I mean, that's how it is. It's a, it's a draining business. You're not mm-hmm. going to be able to be there with your family. It's sad. But I feel like it's gotten better that people have been able to become a little more connected with the way technology is just so much advanced. It has gotten better and the industry has gotten a little better as well. Uh, Mm -hmm. especially if you're in uh, Los Angeles or certain parts of the country where studios are very present. They're working on assisting working parents because when we're on set, we're on set 12 hours a day minimum. That's the lowest amount usually, and therefore we could be there 14, 16-hour days, and therefore they're working on developing a child care system within the industry that's so hopefully that brings about some positives i'm amazed that it's taken this long personally kind of think that it's like that because hollywood is changing now and it's not all men and there's Mm -hmm. women in there as well and like we said previous generations men are the breadwinner they don't necessarily have to be there all the time or to be a present father that was they kind of got off on not being able to do that and now that different generation you know the generation before us generation x and you know millennials we think differently about child raising and know that we all need to be there together and so now i think that's why it is changing because now we got more of a mixed bag of people working and our generation is changing the way we're raising kids. That's cool. I agree. That's cool. Yeah. But it's still relatable. Because yeah. we all definitely probably, well, I know a lot of parents that feel like they work all the time and they don't even give enough attention to their own kids. And now it's even harder right now for families because everyone's so clustered together in the same room. And Now they're spending too same. much time together and they're like, I need my space. It's I been know. almost a goddamn year of looking at your face nonstop. <laughs> I don't get to go to work, the bar, my friend's house, nothing. Like, back off. <laughs> I feel you, I feel you peeps out there. Okay, so here's a fun fact. Who was up to be Peter Pan for this movie other than Michael Jackson? Hit me with it. Yeah, tell me. My all-time favorite white man, Tom Hanks. Oh, of course. <laughs> Tom Hanks was 91, I could see that. Tom Hanks Mr. was up for the Hanks. role, which I would say I think would have still been a great movie either way because Tom Hanks, his comedic timing is spot on. He good. He it's good. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So he could have handled it, definitely. And it doesn't feel like Robin Williams did his usual amount of improving in this movie. But no. like he kind of kept it because he's dealing with children and you can't, throw that shit at him like that then yeah might not yeah (laughs) yeah so i feel like he kept his shit basically on the page and tom hanks could have did that i would have loved it he turned it down but him and robin williams ended up being great friends in hollywood and tom hanks ended up doing movies with steven spielberg anyway so it all worked out yeah he'd have been a cool Man, I want to see Tom Hanks in some tights. I think he would have been good. <laughs> they would have had to put a fat suit on him like they did with Robin Williams, because you can see Williams. you can see his little fat fake belly all there. He would have just been a fat cat. I would have loved it. I love Tom okay. Hanks. He can't do wrong. So it's true. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> and he could pull off like being Elvish. Oh my God, his son Colin Hanks would have been like young Peter Pan. That would have been cool. 
It would have been perfect casting. Ooh, it would have, because he would have yeah. been around that age, like well, thirteen. Yeah, he would have been super young at that time. Oh, wow. wow. Interesting. Wow. Wait, this not only that, day. but like Charlie uh, Quarzmo, who played Jack, didn't keep acting after this. Uh, a lot of he these did, kids he, didn't. He did yeah. one movie after this, Can't Hardly Wait. Can't Hardly Wait. <laughs> Which is on Netflix right now. Great fucking movie. Don't I can't you... feel my legs. I have, I no, have legs. no legs. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to, we could talk about him since we already on his like two movies. But yeah, let's do it. He's also in What About Bob, which is one of my fucking favorites. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What else did he do? He did that. Uh, Dick Tracy, where he got in he that fly ass suit, eating his ice cream in front of Madonna. Yep. He might not have done a, a lot of movies in his career, but he definitely did some for us to remember. I mean, we have definitely seen every movie. How many is there? Yeah. Eight? Each okay, one of his really. movies was a great one. Out of his good ones, yes. So the first time we saw yes. him was in Dick Tracy. We got to see him in What About Bob, The Doctor, Hook, Can't Hardly Wait. I mean, like, you can't hate Can't Hardly Wait. He's my favorite. That was kind of a staple for me for a little while there. For me, too. It literally had every 90s, late 90s, and early 2000s, we find out, <laughs> stars in them. Yeah. <laughs> Some people I didn't know were stars until later. Uh, but yeah, there's not too many fun <laughs> facts on him. But I do love him in a Ken Harley way because he's like, I know this song. Yeah. I used to tutor this guy and he used to play this song. He used to make me listen to it. Yeah. Take me down to the barren house city. Well, the grass is green and the girls are pretty. pretty. Oh, won't you please Please take me home? home. Yay, yay. That's all we have about him. We'll talk about him again because I definitely want to do What About Bob. It's one of my favorite Bill Murray movies. Yes, it is. Yeah. All I want. You've been wanting to do that movie for like three years. Yes. All I want is some peace and quiet. Okay. I'll be quiet. I'll be peace. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so let's move on to the namesake of this movie, Mr. Dustin Hoffman. <laughs> Fuck yeah, uh, my Mr. dude. Dustin, yeah. Dusty Hoffman. Dusty. And so just like you, Jason, I was a grown-ass motherfucking adult before I realized that he was Captain Hook. <laughs> How dare this be a thing? Because damn, how Gina. old were you when you learned that it was Hook that was talking on the airplane on the intercom? Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Your captain once again. Please do not allow this minor turbulence to disturb you. We shall Oh, uh, yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I was yesterday old when uh, I found that one out. <laughs> yes. So he is. This is our your captain speaking. Captain speaking. Literally, Captain, Captain Hook. He is the one speaking on the aeroplane. He's so good in this. Is Captain Hook. There is nobody. Arguably his best performance. Was he he nominated for this one? I know he's been nominated like five, six times. No, he was not nominated for the movie. The Uh only thing that was nominated was set design, costume, and original song for On My Own. Which, fun fact, before we move on to Dustin Hoffman, this movie was supposed to be a musical, you guys. Just like... Turn into a musical. Yes. And by the time it got back to Steven Spielberg, it kind of dropped the songs. 
But there are two songs in this motherfucking movie that would have been part of the musical. So at the beginning where they sing, uh, we don't want to grow up. That would have been original song. And when Maggie sings on my own. The stars are my friends till the night. So sweet. Another song. So that song on my own was nominated for Academy Award. It did it was shunned out of all of theirs, so this movie won zero. But we get I always thought it was a little weird that she was just singing. I, I thought that it was to help, you know, Jack remember home. Mm-hmm. And, and that's probably most likely why they used it. Because he goes, my mom, my mom used to sing that to us. And yeah. he starts remembering home because she never forgets. It's Smee dives right in there. Yes. Jack, tell me about the game of baseball. I can't quite remember. Like, how the fuck does this work? <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. And he just runs off. So that song is a glimpse into what could have been of Hook the Musical, which I'm saying we still could have used Hook the Musical today. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put that on the oh, stage. Yeah. Keep it keep it alive. Keep it coming. I say Rufio does the musical, but he plays Hook now that he's old. <gasps> Ooh, good one. Like Dante not, Brasco not, come in. I, yeah, I was going to say, not like Rufio the character, but like Dante Brasco, like you said. I believe that he Mr. does. Mr. Fukijama. He does do music, so that would work. Mm-hmm. He does. He does like he's uh, a poet. He is a poet. Poetry or something like that. Mm-hmm. He sure yeah. does. He and his and his work is actually really beautiful. Like it's really it's really powerful. He he, he yeah I, I I really like his work. Actually, that's a really cool thing that him and Robin Williams bonded on, is poetry. Oh really? Nice. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt the Dustin Hoffman. Okay, Dustin Hoffman is amazing. If you don't know who he is. You better ask somebody. <laughs> Two-time Oscar winner. Two-time Oscar winner. For Rain Man and for Wag the Dog. Yeah, definitely I, definitely Wag the Dog. Yeah, he won for that one. I, I definitely, definitely did not see <laughs> Wag the Dog, but I did see Rain Man. Um, I did feel you like, fart, Ray? Yeah. Yes. He's yeah. Like, that, did you fucking fart? Yeah. He's like, yeah. how do you stand that? I don't out. mind it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Rain Man. I personally am not the hugest Tom Cruise fan, but improvised I scene. Love, I love that movie. I think they improvised both scene. Dustin Hoffman really farted, and they just worked, <laughs> played it and off. They just played it off. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Mm-hmm. I say <laughs> sometimes you just need to fart on set and just yeah, let it happen. Uh-oh. Gotta let it rip. Yeah, and I love Dustin Hoffman's reaction. Uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. Fart make people laugh. We talked about that. Everybody in the loves farts. I love love a good fart story. In the Christmas story, we <laughs> talked about that with the the little brother eating. Can we talk about one of my favorite characters in this movie? Is it Absolutely. Hook? <laughs> it is uh, also one of my favorite actors. The beloved Mr. Bob Hoskins oh, plays yes. Smee. Smee? Smee, Smee, what about Smee? Smee's me. What about me? Smee's me. What about me? Me's me. What about me? <laughs> <laughs> Problem oh with the God. missus. 
Yes. Well, you uh. will after this. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely did not know that he was uh, an English actor and when I watched yeah. this movie as a child because I remember him from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Who Framed, Who Framed Roger, Roger Rabbit. Rabbit. He didn't have no damn accent there, so I thought he was nope. putting it on for this. But no this way. is his real ass shit right here. Yeah. From Who Framed Roger Rabbit. I even love Mario Brothers. Judge me. I don't care. I am no, I love you. the live action Mario Brothers. I think it's awesome. Dude, him and John Leguizamo, fantastic. John Leguizamo, baby. <laughs> well, okay. So he started off not being an actor. He dropped mm. out of school at fucking 15, worked odd-end jobs, and went to with his friend to an audition. And he was just going for like moral support. Before you knew really? it, they were handing him a side and was like, all right, you're next. And I've he was seen like, that happen in an audition room And he was like, uh, okay. And wow. he nailed it and got the job. So he, most of his stuff at the beginning is on stage in the theater. And yeah. he is known for saying that he has never taken an acting class in his life. Everything yeah. that we see from him is all natural. He's a great character actor. We've seen him in so many things time and time again. He could play a tough guy. He could play a sweet guy. He could play, you know. Love him in The Mermaids. Yep. Yes, oh, I do love him so in The Mermaids. So cute. Mermaids is such a good, yeah, with Cher, Winona mm. Ryder, and Christina Ricci. Yeah. Oh, so you can see him so be a sweetheart. You can see him being like a drunken sidekick who's going to rob you blind because he thinks you're about to die. You know, mm-hmm. he doesn't, yeah. he can do the whole scope. And so knowing that this man is untrained and it's just him is kind of fucking amazing. Does- doesn't he play like a dwarf in like the Snow White and the Huntsman? Is he like a blind dwarf that can like tell the future? He was in Snow White and the Huntsman. That was his last movie actually before he passed. Uh, oh. He played a character named Muir. Muir. Yeah, that one came out in 2012. He passed away in 2014. It was yeah. such a good role. He did such an amazing. Uh, he, he sees the stag. He's like, this never happens. Oh my God. He is a very yeah. sweet man. On one of the days of their shoot, they had a very tough and very long day. And he bought beer for 300 plus extras so that Fuck they could like yeah. feel good, you know, at the end of the day. Aw, good guy. They were probably Fuck all pirates, yeah. so that's perfect. Like, you know, yeah. it's either that or <laughs> he rum. Bought, he bought a round yeah. for all the pirates. Yeah, he bought a round for all the pirates. Uh, and so, you know, he was. And known. he's got some of the best lines in this movie, in my personal opinion. Dude, he's he like does. from. Hook's hype, hype man. He's always hyping him up. He's always hyping up. What does he say in the beginning? I'll give you the sting light and stingray, Captain James Hook. Now let's give him a very big hand. Now let's give him a very big hand because he's only got one. Because <laughs> he's only, he only got, got one. one. <laughs> <laughs> Not only that, he's the pitcher in the baseball game. Yeah. And when... When Jack hits that fucking home run, Smee is genuinely enthusiastic and so proud of Jack. Like, you can see it just all over his face. He's just, like, you know, happy that they have a kid that's not trying to kill them. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a good thing. Smee, do something intelligent. Smee, I love it. Smee, what the <laughs> me? And I love that they bring him back into the real world, too. That's so great. Oh, yeah, he's out there. He's just a sweet, uh, street sweeper. Sweeper, you know, he's it's like a Wizard of Oz kind of thing. 
That's because uh-huh. he took the money. He he dipped. Maybe he's like, this is just uncovered. Yeah, he's out. So Hook, don't see him. <laughs> he's out. <laughs> he was known for walking around the set singing, Hello, is it me you're looking for? <laughs> Get out of here. I love it. Me is who I was looking for. He changed the words of hello from Lionel Richie to suit him. So that's so great. I think that was was a good one. They are doing Who Framed Roger Rabbit part two. I don't know who's slated to play the characters, but uh, the voice of Roger Rabbit is still alive. Fuck yeah. I don't know how I feel about that though. I don't know if anybody can play Eddie Valiant the way that Bob Hoskins did. No. Eddie Valiant, you're under arrest. (laughs) (laughs) Spielberg isn't directing it, but he is producing it. All right. Well, then it's still going to be good. He don't put his name on shit that ain't good. So when Hawkins and Dustin Hoffman got together and were going over lines and talking about their their characters, they came to a mutual agreement that they felt like Captain Hook and Smee were a bunch of old queens that loved each other and lived on a boat. Ah. And that's kind of how they like played their idea of this couple. They, you know, get over here, me, rub my feet, and all the other shit. <laughs> when they brought always taking care of Hook, always taking care of Hook. When they brought this idea to Steven Spielberg, like, yo, this is kind of what we're feeling. He like looked at him and he was like, "This is a kid movie, y'all." Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> So? No, <laughs> they're just friends. They live on the boat together all the time. I don't know where you're getting any of. No, skin movie. <laughs> so I still feel the underlining love. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. No, it still passes through. I don't think they changed anything. I feel like maybe they eased up, but you. I still feel like they're a loving married couple. No. Smia's totally devoted to his hooky. I don't know. He bones out on him at the end. He's like, fuck this. I'm not a fighter. I'm out of here. <laughs> Hook was, you know, he's a little bit of a, he's a little bossy, you know. He saw that he, the ship was going down and he wasn't going down with the ship. He's like, I'm out, bitch. Yeah. And I'm going to take your gold. Which he took his 50% in the uh-huh. divorce and he walked out of there with all the, that sounds real. <laughs> Hands filled to the max. Oh, it's so cute. Filled to the max. I have a fun fact for you and then I have a thing after that. Okay. So, fun fact. Do you know who turned down the role for Hook? Who? Which David Bowie. So I don't know how I would feel about that. I do like David Bowie, and I think that he would have did a good job of being a some sort of a captain. It would have been mm-hmm. a David Bowie captain, but it would sure. not be Captain. It Hook. would be more labyrinth-like. Yes, yeah, exactly. it would be Goblin King. It would be so. I mean, maybe he might be able to transfer a different character, but it might sure. just come off as Goblin King. But yeah. after seeing Dustin Hoffman, there is nobody else that could play Hook but him. No, like. Like I said, I wasn't sure if he was nominated for it or not. He should have been. And he wasn't. I he should have. He's a good character. I watched yeah. an interview and the person was like, oh my God, Dustin Hoffman, I love you so much. Hook is like my all-time favorite movie. And they go about doing their interview. And before he walks away, he's like, close your eyes and look over there. And so she like turns her head and he gets in her ear and he goes, I hate and." I hate, I hate, I hate Peter Pan. And he totally <laughs> brings out the fucking Captain Hook. And she just like, you just made my life. Like, thank you so much. <laughs> All right. So it's time for some AKAs. 
Oh, yeah, AKAs. This is great. <laughs> so, Jason, an AKA I, is I, an. I'm new here. What the hell's an AKA? It's, AKA is also known as. So, these are the titles of the movie in different parts of the world. Because not gotcha. in everywhere in the world do you have the same they have title. the same name. Yeah. The titles. Yeah. Now, the majority of the world calls this movie Hook or Captain Hook. But there are some. Okay that have varies and so if you happen to go to brazil they're going to call this movie hook the captain is back okay 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 the captain is back so if you go to france they're gonna call this movie hook or the revenge of captain hook yeah, Mm-mm. weird. If you happen to go to Mexico, like our wonderful tequila is from, you would call this <laughs> Hook, Return of Captain Hook. <laughs> That's about it. That feels like a part two. It They do. I have no idea why nobody could just have Hook, just like everybody else in the world. But they yeah. all added maybe... Return of. The return or- of. I mean, you could have just, I could, I understand people just calling the movie Captain Hook if you don't want to do Hook because maybe there is already a movie in France called Hook or whatever. I get that. But y'all adding all this extra shit don't make no sense. (laughs) I keep on wanting to be like Hook, the Empire of Hook. Hook, when the Empire of Hook strikes back. Hook, uh, bottom of the sea, Hook. But those are some of the AKs. I like it. That's hook. cool. Hook, hook, here is the hook. Here is the hook. So Hook, the love story of Smee and Hook. Ooh! <laughs> Coming out 2022. That was... 2022, baby. They'll be ready for I gay pirates it. then. I'm, I'm ready. I want to see it now. I know. Give it to me now. <laughs> so, do you want to move on to our lady... Of the Ooh, are we ready for Miss Julia Roberts? Miss Julia Roberts. Uh classic Miss Julia Roberts. This is just talking about Julia Roberts and the character of Tinkerbell. This is my favorite thing, and this is when it's really hard for me, especially because you say, you know, it's not really your favorite part, uh, because Julia Roberts, Tinkerbell, Julia Roberts you're not really a big fan of. Carrie Fisher came on as an unaccredited writer to this script, and she is the one that we have to thank for all the great writing for Tinkerbell. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. she wrote that part. And I can almost see her in it most of the time, just the words that she says. I mean, it's one of my favorite lines in the entire uh, uh, film is when she goes... You know that place between sleep and awake? That place where you still remember dreaming? That's where I'll always love you, Peter Pan. That's where I'll be waiting. And where I'll always love you, Peter Pan. That's where I'll be waiting. That's sweet. Yeah. And it's so heartbreaking. Like, that's like the whole, and that's why I do feel really bad for Julia Roberts, because she did take on this role so differently than what people were expecting from her. Like, they wanted Tinkerbell to be, like, vivacious and flirty and and mischievous and, like... But she's, like, wheeling and dealing pixie. Like, she knows that... She knows that Peter Pan is back for a reason. She's not going to get her hopes up. She knows that Peter had to move on with his life. And she's, like... And that's the story they're telling. That's the way that they wrote her. Exactly. You know? And that's the... Yeah. 
It's almost like they wrote adult Tinkerbell this, because they're dealing with an adult Peter Pan. Mm-hmm, exactly. You and know, she's getting to The Tinkerbell to meet... everybody remembers is the Tinkerbell with childhood Peter Pan. Totally. I mean, yes. And she even... That Tinkerbell okay. is a bitch, and she even... She's a little brat. She, she, she tries to kill Wendy. She tries to kill Wendy. <laughs> she ends up trading. She's almost, she ends up being idle. a traitor. You know, she, she she tells Captain Hook where to find she him. She dies for Peter. She, she does, does die, die for Peter. Peter. Um, I'm just saying that I don't like her part because she's not acting with anybody, and you can tell. She, yeah. she doesn't have th- that imagination to be able to just make it feel real like she's talking to somebody. To me personally, I feel like her lines are all awesome. I'm not I'm okay with her not being flirty. She is tough cuz when she goes up to Captain Hook, she's like, "Hey, he old and fat and I need a week to fix this motherfucker and you need to let me do this and you want to go out like a sucker cuz you just drowned Peter Pan when he wasn't even like can't even fight." And so like she is it's tough. True. She is tough, and I'll get it. But I just feel like I could tell she's reading. She's saying her lines. I don't feel the emotion there. I, it feels flat to me. And even as a kid, I always felt like it was flat. But to each their own. It's not enough for me to hate this movie or anything like that. And Julia Roberts was going through a lot in her personal life that's at this time. Exactly. Like, that's another thing that you have to realize. Like, she is it girl at this point in the 1990s. The paparazzi are hounding her. She has just surprisingly broken off her engagement with Kiefer Sutherland. So, like, it's kind of crazy. She, like, even uh, on the set of this film had an exhaustion episode and had to go into rehab. And uh, fun fact... The teddy bear that's on the set, Steven Spielberg actually gave and gifted to Julia Roberts while she was in the hospital. I know. That's sweet. Isn't that? But then he realized that he had given away the prop and they needed it for filming, so they had to go look for another teddy bear, (laughs) apparently. (laughs) Steven Spielberg is definitely, like, off the cuff for sure, so he probably was like, oh, shit, my bad. (laughs) I read that, and I thought that it was going to end with... (laughs) So they had to send an assistant back to her. To Julia to, get, to uh, go get the bear back. We need that bear back now. Yeah. Um, mm. When we're done with it, we will definitely send it to you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of what I always thought. Um, I do feel I, I do feel bad for Julia because I think just personally she was going through a really, really tough time. And you're right. It probably wasn't easy to, to watch all these people having such a fun, amazing time. And she didn't get to go on the set because she was green screened most of the yeah. time. And mm-hmm. That sucks. Yeah. yeah that's, she did, She only has one very small scene with Robin Williams in person. So yeah. she doesn't the make get, out scene. Yeah. She doesn't get all that, you know, bouncing off of him and his energy because mm-hmm. he makes everybody he works with better. Yeah. Um, she also, after breaking off her engagement with Keith or Sutherland, she ran away and no one could find her. And Steven Spielberg was pissed. Like, bitch, where are you at? Yeah. And that's probably a couple days, at least a week on there, added on to the 72 days <laughs> for, <laughs> sure. for, for trying to get her back. Cause I'm pretty sure she like left to another country. Like she wasn't even in the States. Like she was, I mean, gone. With in in regards to the green screen stuff, I think if it was me, I would request that I shoot my stuff after everybody else has done their scenes, 
so that I can see what I'm working so I off see. of. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I I totally understand, and that's the only that's the benefit of the doubt to her that I give her is that she had no one to play off of. She literally was by herself, yeah. and you know all her stuff was done uh, on another site, and you know she didn't get that camaraderie you get when you all together on set. She had her own crew. Yeah. She yeah. had acting is reacting. And yeah. If she got nothing to react off of. Yeah. What are you do? She had her own stage that was like her little tink apartment that was basically only her in it all the time. Yep. It was like a little box basically that she was yep. stuck in. There was mm-hmm. a person on set who their job was making sure the bottom of her feet were clean. Oh my God. I love it. Soul job. I love it. Oh my God. That's like my most nightmare job. I fucking hate feet. But. <laughs> I would so, love a little massage every every cleaning. I'd be like, not only do you have to wipe it, but you got to put some lotion on these. Bad yeah, like give a little rub. And touch. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a soft spot for Julia Roberts though, because like I really love the movie Steel Magnolias. That's yep. like a oh, yeah. hard female cast for me, and I love it. And I mean, even she does a great job in that. So she holds a near and dear place in my heart for sure. I yeah. feel bad, though. She just really didn't make any... She'll never work with Steven Spielberg again. They haven't since, and he has kind of sworn off never working with her. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. Apparently, it was really difficult working with her. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, it was just too too emotionally traumatic most of the time. I think that so is her so loss. Sad. I think it's her loss for not being on her best behavior during, you know, a Steven Spielberg movie. And yeah, like this is kind of a once in a lifetime. Yeah. And I know that you're going through a lot of personal shit, but this is like, it's Steven Spielberg. Don't you want a good reputation with this director? So he could put I you mean, in other off things. The, off the record, I do think maybe they had some kind of flirtation because like this is during the time he was single. Mm. She kind of was single. Interesting. I mean, she, maybe. she was, I guess, a runaway bride. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so cheesy. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I would have been on my best. I would have been on my best behavior because it's Steven mm-hmm. fucking Spielberg. And it's Steven Spielberg. The joke that was on set that ended up being in the movie is that she was Tinker Hell. <laughs> that was her nickname. That was her oh nickname. my god. <laughs> Tinker Hell. I don't know if it was just this movie and the time in her life, or if that's just how she is. But I do love my best friend's wedding. That's my jam right there. That's the thing is that reports from all of the rest of her films. I mean, she did get massive success and then could really just like say fuck off to everybody and had her own thing. But they she always has a good reputation after this. I think she was just going through a really bad period yeah. in her life. That's why. Like, honestly, I think I, that's what I chop it all up to. Aaron Brockovich, like that's such a she has such a high energy and she's kind of a really difficult character, but apparently they had a great time, like her and Aaron Eckhart, right? Isn't that the actor that played in yeah. the opposite role? I they, believe he, so. he, he only had nothing but glowing remarks when working with I mean, her. And that, she, like, I mean, she's an Academy Award winner for that. For, for that film. one. She was in Pelican Brief with a sexy-ass Denzel. Uh, I love the Pelican Brief. Mm-hmm. She was in Stepmom, which I love, oh, and I feel like Susan we would def- definitely have oh to do that God. movie. We definitely have to do that one. Yeah, the Mexican. Yeah, and then she did like the Ocean's Elevens and stuff, and Mona Lisa smiles. Uh, I got a question. I mean, Notting Hill. She's like, I mean, her oh, super yeah. popular romantic comedy with mm-hmm. Notting Hill, which basically is like an autobiography of her life. I'm sorry, I interrupted you, Jason. Go ahead. No, no, do you? 
uh, am I seeing this right? Phil Collins was in this fucking movie? Yep. Cameo! Lenny, <laughs> what the start, hell? Lenny, I need you to hit him with the... With yeah, the, let's get let's get into the cameos then, because this, get, this gets this serious. This is about to yo. blow your fucking mind, dude. dude. Here we go. Dude. So, yes, Phil Collins comes up in this fucking movie. So does David Crosby and really? Jimmy Buffett. Jimmy they're Buffett. All, they're all fucking pirates in the opening scene. They make an, uh, they make their cameo as pirates of Captain Hook's fucking crew. So does Glenn Close, because we know her as the boo box person. No, but do you want to tell people who Phil Collins was? He was like the head detective talking to the family after the kids mm-hmm. left. And once you see it, you're like, that is Probably him. just a prank. It's just a I prank. I didn't even realize it was him. Yeah, you know, yep. I guess with yeah. the history of the family, it could just be a yeah. prank. I've forgotten it, how to fly. He is, well, one <laughs> does. does. Yep. That's, that's him. My personal cameo favorite is George Lucas. Yep. And Carrie Fisher. Yep. Are making out underneath the bridge and they get dusted with Tinkerbell's dust as she's carrying Peter through with the parachute. There's no way you would have known it was them unless Never. you read about it because they're so tiny you can't see them. But Tiny silhouetted black like black silhouettes. Like you don't really see them too well, but that's them. They're thinking they're happy kissing and thinking happy naughty thoughts as they fly Ooh, into the sky. As they float into bliss. Yeah. And then the little boy Jim Hart's 11-year-old son, Jake, <laughs> gets to be one of the last boys because he's actually the one that asked his father, like, what would happen if That's Peter him. Pan yep. was a grown boy? So he was just like, my son helped with this concept, so he's definitely going to be one of the little last boys. So he makes a little appearance, and I fucking love it. <laughs> There's some more kids in here. Really? What other kids? Oh, all three of Dustin Hoffman's kids are in this movie. Or at least three. I don't know. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. He has oh, right. a kid that is on stage. For the play. For the play. He has one that is in the baseball field when they're at the uh, Jack's baseball or game. His, Jack's first game. And then mm. his son plays five-year-old Peter Pan. Oh. So, yeah. There was uh, quite a few people. Wait, like baby baby? Or when the he's one running with- around? No, when he's like flying home and yeah. looking in on his. When he comes parents. back to look oh, at his parents. That's right. That's right. And they have the new baby. It's yeah, heartbreaking. Like, oh, they forgot about me. That makes sense because he was a little guy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's tiny. So, With yeah. that hair. He was so cute. Yeah. So, Steven Spielberg's definitely is like about putting, about putting family into these movies. Absolutely. What I super love too is that so many celebrities wanted to come and see the sets. Like, they were, because it was so, I mean, these sets were legendary at this point. Yeah. And so, so many people wanted to, like, go in and see them. And, like, the the list of people who came in to check out, like, the Jolly Roger and the Treehouse and shit, they are Demi Moore, Tom Cruise, which I hear he asked personally Dustin Hoffman if he could come on the set. He was like, dude, you gotta let me on. Nice. Whoopi Goldberg, classic. Michelle Pfeiffer, Warren Beatty, Mel Gibson. Annette Benning and Prince. Oh. Well, and then John Voight uh, begged for him and his, his, for Angelina Jolie and their son to, like, be able to come on set, too. And apparently they just, like, went crazy running around the whole town because they're like, oh, my God, I'm in Neverland. Everyone's, like, That's freaking so out. That's so cool. Yep. I know. I would freak out. I'd be, I'd be so happy. <laughs> Young Angelina 
and she told Dustin Hoffman that she wanted to be an actor. She's like, I want to be an actor. And he's like, he said, yeah, okay, because he looked at her and she was like skinny and like gangly looking with a mouthful of braces. She's like, I want to be a, an actor. And he's like, okay. And so like he went <laughs> home to his wife and was like, oh, she don't even realize that she got a hard road ahead of her. Even though your dad is fucking John Voight. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> you still got a hard road oh, ahead of you. Dude. But yeah. Little uh, fun cameo, fun action happening on set. I totally dig it. Okay, so I'm going to hit you with a couple fun facts. You ready? Yeah, give it to me. So Pan Am, the plane that the Bannings fly on the way to Neverland. I always thought Uh that was funny because it's like Pan because he's Peter Pan. Well, the real funny part is, is that a week before this movie open to theater pan am closed down and was no longer airline so by the time people saw this movie to the theater Dude. they couldn't even get on a pan am flight if they wanted to get out of here <laughs> yes if um, this movie would have came out like a six months earlier they might have saved pan am they could they oh might have anybody uh, going to see their family the kids would have been like i want to fly a pan am i want to fly a pan am pan am baby i would have loved to have flying pan oh that would have been so cool Okay, so you know the line where the kid goes, Well, welcome back to Neverland, Pan the Man. Pan the Man. He uh-huh. apparently <laughs> could not remember that line or had trouble with it. So if you watch it closely, look at Robin Williams and you'll see him mouthing the line to him. Oh, nice. that's so sweet. Yeah. So, oh my God. He's always got your back. He always got <laughs> your back. That's what I said. He always makes people sound or better than... You know, they think they could be. He always makes everyone better. So nice. Oh, here's he another. does like stutter through that line too. I never knew I what the fuck he was saying. I thought it was just like nervousness because he's like, yeah. welcome back to Neverland, Panda Man. I thought he called him like Panda Man, like he's a panda. That's what <laughs> uh-huh. I always forever. It wasn't until this week I was like, oh, yeah, I'm glad that you helped him with that because he barely got it out. I could barely hear him. Yeah. Um. They cut to Rufio immediately, too. Yep. Rufio. Don't listen to that stupid fairy and that dingus fungus. Mm. <laughs> Rufio best. being a dick. Yeah, classic Rufio. Yeah. Okay. All right, so classic here's Rufio. another one. So the scene where Smee walks down the stairs with the hook, 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 give it a hook, and then you uh-huh. see it, it's dark, and the lights flash, and you see him stick on the hook on, on Captain Hook's hand. Yeah. Yep. That all had to be done in one take because all of those bubs were single flash use. So they, had, so they had to get it right. And I always ah. think that is one of the best. I think that scene looks so it cool. Is. It is yeah. So cool. Damn. I love those one takes. Yeah. Okay, so here's another fun one on Rufio. We can move on to him real quick after this. So yeah. you know the line where he runs up to Peter Pan and he hits the sword really close to his head and then he holds mm-hmm. it that splits both of them and he says, You're dead, jolly man. It is all done in <laughs> reverse. In reverse, reverse. So he did have to learn how to say that line backwards. Nami lad, I head right But that is what he did so that he wouldn't be running to him with the sword. So the sword starts really close to his face. He holds it. He speaks it. And then he runs backwards. And then they play it forward. And it sounds like 
what we hear. Perfect. So that's kind of like what we talked about in Home Alone, where the car gets really close to his face Mm -hmm. and it almost hits him. That's actually in reverse. We see it in In reverse. reverse, Yeah. So yeah, doing that trick of the camera shit when they had to. When they had to, because they did not want a big slice down Robin Williams' face. (laughs) Get the hell out of here! With that beautiful sword. Dude, that sword is so badass. Yeah. So it's bang ring. It's You want to talk about Rufio? <laughs> Rufio, Rufio. Donnie Brasco. Rufio. I mean Dante Brasco. <laughs> Dante Brasco. Dante Brasco. Which he totally. He's amazing. He totally had my heart as a young child. I thought he was the cutest thing. I think he's still super handsome. Oh, absolutely. Hasn't lost it at Has all. Has not missed a step. I did watch a video earlier of a 25-year reunion. Everybody coming back. They're so cute. And they got their entire costuming, like, perfect again. I love that. It's perfect. I really wish that Dante would have done the really dramatic makeup that Rufio wears during the makeup fight scene. Mm-hmm. Cause that was really big turn on. <laughs> Ooh. Okay, I see you. Yeah, please, you see me. You see me. You see me. Um, you see me. Like you said, he is a poet, and he was going around, at least I don't know the world, but at least California, uh, doing doing Filipino poetry and bringing out his culture which i fucking love uh i listened to some of it like you said it is pretty good he also dabbles in music and he definitely is most known for being rufio because yeah <laughs> that character is awesome but he's done voiceovers for cartoons and video games so you definitely have heard him before if you haven't ever seen him again like he does some voice work on a goofy movie uh, ah, yeah, he does. Yeah, so he he stayed working. He's in. Mm-hmm. I would say I've seen him in a few things. He was in, he but I'm a cheerleader, which I love that movie. <laughs> if you've never seen that one, I seen him in Biker Boys. That was a good one. He was in Biker Boys. He, mm-hmm. Yeah, he he and shows then, up. He stays working. He does voiceover stuff. Like I said, uh, he plays an artist in Entourage. He plays Fuki Jama. This, mm. like, oh, celebrated right. street artist <gasps> who does, God. like, limited edition sneakers. Sneakers for turtle. And then he destroys the patent. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's him. Oh, I loved that episode, too. Born and raised it. in Glendale, my man. <laughs> he uh, he was in Love Don't Cost a Thing. He did spoken word. He was a spoken word artist in that. So kind of give you a little bit of what he be doing. He was in Take the Lead. You remember that one? The yeah. dance movie? Uh, yes. yes. Ain't no name. What you looking at is history in the making right here. Boom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, you, if you ever played uh, Scarface, The World is Yours video game, he does voices on there. So, like I said, the boy never stopped working. He yep. he no. kept it real. And if you want, ooh, he, did, he was on an episode of Boondocks. I don't know which episode, but he was on it. Hey, love that show. <laughs> He was on your uh, TV show as well, Drunk History. He was on a Drunk oh, History. Nice, nice, nice. Which I don't think yeah. that they. I can mean, he's do. still killing it. He's rapped by William Morris. What, what more can you ask for? What more? Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So seek him out. He also has some merch. 
that I saw that he was selling on his Insta. So if you ever loved you some Rufio, go look at him. Go look him up. Try to listen to any of his spoken word, his poetry, because the the kid knows. He, he got his shit. Okay, so I got another fun fact for you since we're talking about our la- a last boy. Okay, yeah. so the only ones in the movie that knew who was going to be the next Peter Pan at the very end when they're passing the sword was Steven Spielberg and Robin Williams. So the kids mm. have no clue who he's going to hand the swords to. So all those happy faces and surprise no faces kidding. were all real. Get out of here. No one Fuck knew yeah. who was taking over. That I was such that. a beautiful moment, too. That totally makes yeah. sense. Like, I really love it when he comes in. I forget which last boy it is, but he, like, it's passes tough. it in front of me, and he's like, oh, my oh, God, is, is it, it me? me? <laughs> like, oh, oh, yeah, the the little uh, red-headed kid. Yeah. He's With the so freckles. Cute. <laughs> yeah. I loved it. That's, that's genuine to know that those were their actual reactions. That's actual amazing. reaction. And so the kid who Peter Pan passes the sword to, the fat one, that was not, they did not roll his fat ass down the thing. That was not really him. Okay? I'm sorry. Yeah, they did? Wow. Oh, yeah. Really he wasn't a role. real thud ball. No. But they made a, they made a mold uh, and they made this plastic ball-like thing Stop that had it. all of That's his hilarious. facial features. They put his shoes that he was wearing on the feet and they just rolled oh it down God. there. Too funny. And then that's him standing up, like, ooh, and like shaking. Oh my god! It's a little. That's hilarious. Yeah, I saw a picture of what it looks like. It looks really weird, <laughs> 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 but it got. But it's probably because it aged really badly. <laughs> okay. Can I give you a little uh, fun fact about Dante Brasco, really quick? A little fun fact. Yeah. Uh, I personally love that he had such a close relationship with Robin Williams that uh, he like admitted to Robin at first. He's like, I'm a huge fan of the Dead Poet Society that he was in. And he's oh, like, yeah, I'm yeah. actually a poet. And he shared uh, all this with Robin. He's just like, yo, like I'm a poet. And he's like, no way. So him and Robin would read poetry together all the time. And as a parting gift from the film, he gave Rufio uh, one original edition of Walt Whitman's collection of poems. No wow. Yeah. Like, I wonder how much that that book got. I know. Like (laughs) $15,000. I know. How beautiful is that? That's nice. And you pass it on. It's something he gets to keep and pass on to his kids and their kids. Exactly. And it was given to me by Robin Williams. Like, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, I'm sure it has an inscription inside the book. I don't know. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure. And he'll treasure it forever. I would treasure that shit forever. I got another fun fact. So you know when Wendy does her prayer to the kids before she leaves, and she's like, night lights, watch over my sleeping babes. Dear night lights, protect my sleeping babes. Burn clear and steadfast tonight. This is from the play Peter and Wendy. And so, so beautiful. It's another thing that they added in there. They also added in things to keep the legend going, like her brothers, Teddy Bear and Top Hat, are sitting there next to the couch when they scan through there. Mm-hmm. There is a ship in a bottle, which is Captain Hook's ship, and yeah. a lot of things that are referenced about their nursery in the books. It's kind of the same in there. If you look up at the top panels of the 
of the room, you'll of see the that nursery of the nursery, you'll see that there's Peter Pan illustrations on there from the books. Um, mm -hmm. They just did their very best on keeping the whole magic of the story alive. That's why they put the original book in there and all those other things. I just like absolutely love when people pay attention to something like that. And Steven Spielberg fucking nailed it. That's why they got those five Oscar nominations. Mm-hmm. It's, it's those little tidbits. those little attentions to detail. Yeah. And it brings the whole story together. Like, it brings back the nostalgia that you have reading the books and your parents' parents and not getting into it to be able to connect with the new generation that's, like, all cool and really into cell phones. And <laughs> <laughs> the flip Podcast. Podcast. Yeah. I do just want to mention one little thing. Shout out to my action choreographer because I am obsessed with the fight scenes. Yes. I am obsessed with how they orchestrate. You know how, you know, you know how I love it. Yeah. So the guy they got for this one is Gary Himes. He is amazing. You're going to recognize his work in Hook, Jurassic Park, The Lost World. So he did both. Steven mm -hmm. Spielberg worked with him again for Jurassic Park and The Lost World. He did Casper. Love it. He directed. He directed my man Keanu Reeves in Speed. Keanu. Keanu. Keanu, baby. <laughs> he most recently did like Punisher. He's the action choreographer for Logan. Um, nice. He, uh, I know. Which, he, really cool, and I'll talk about it in a minute, but he worked with someone else that was on this set for Hook on Logan as well. Well, other things. He did Lovecraft Country. He's He did a couple of the action choreography for some of the episodes in that show. I, and you know how much I love that show. Okay. Ah! Then he's worked with Marvel. He did... <laughs> He did Ant-Man, and then Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, and he did a Fast Five. Shit. Fast Five is one of my favorites. It's so good, yeah. right? You can just, like, they're so epic. His fight scenes are so epic. And he, you know, I got to go back to my Keanu reference from Speed. He's the one that uh, designed that entire bus jumping scene. He did it. Ooh. Oh. He coordinated the entire stunt team to get that uh, jump and everything. And How fucking, crazy is that? Oh, the Mythbusters tried to do it and they couldn't get it done. So. It was insane. <laughs> insane. That's nuts. Wow. I know. He wouldn't have been able to make like those epic scenes without any of... He had a lot of sword technicians that were on the set for sure. But my favorite is, and I know you love these, all the Lost Boys weaponry, all those imaginative, awesome weapons that they created, like the the sauce machine, the paint machine and stuff. Yeah. And uh, that was by Tony Swanton, who is responsible for creating the Wolverine claws in Logan. So they got Ooh. to work together again. I know. Pretty cool. <laughs> Pretty cool. Lenny, Lenny's geeking out right now. <laughs> I know. I'm so stoked. Robin Williams and Dustin Hoffman just going to town on that. Oh, they epic did fight. such yeah. a great job in that such fight, both job. of them. Yeah, I would have yeah. totally. And there's some long, sure. sweeping takes yeah. during mm -hmm. that fight scene too, Absolutely. which lets you know that these actors really did learn how to do this properly. Mm -hmm. They did. If there's they one really thing did. I hate about like action fight choreography, it's when it's like cut after cut after cut after cut after cut, just to hide the fact that the actors can't really do it yeah exactly I, I was i was massively impressed i was i'm i'm so massively impressed by this guy's work so keep on doing it man okay <laughs> so um i just got two things and then i'm done so bob hawk is 
before we move on about him or move Hoskins. out. Hopkins. 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 Bob Hopkins. Um, I've done that before. I've called him Bob Hopkins. Hopkins. Uh, Hopkins. Hopkins. He, it's right there. It is. Okay. So he he retired from acting, I believe, in 2012 or 2013. Mm-hmm. And he ended up passing away on April 29th, 2014. He had Parkinson's disease. And, you know, that's why he retired and spent the last part of his life doing that. He died at the age of 71 um, in 2014. So yeah. he also revives his role as Smee in the Neverland TV show. His name is Mr. Smee. The little mini series. I watched that. Mm-hmm. It was great. Yeah. So he, he brought back old ass Smee in 2011. Yeah. And so he has passed away. Like you said, he won't be in Who Framed Roger Rabbit. And no. so he is obviously not the only person who passed away. We lost Robin Williams in this beautiful cast from... You said that that Bob died in April of 2014, and Robin Williams died not four yeah. months later? Yeah. So Robin Williams died from completing suicide on August 11th, 2014. Like you said, only several months different uh, between their deaths. I don't know if there is a connection. I don't know if he felt a type of way about that as well, along with a lot of other emotional and mental things that he was going through. But yeah, it, it's very weird that they are super close together. Yeah. Well, I'm just like tripping about it though, because the thing is, is that he died of Parkinson's disease and then that's, Robin Williams got diagnosed with Parkinson's and he was getting this, it's called Louis brain where dementia, where he starts mm-hmm. losing it. So I, did he watch his friend go through this process and was just like, this is a totally just new brought to you. Yeah. prospect like, to understand why Robin did what he did. I mean, he obviously didn't want to lose. Like he, he kept on thinking in his head. He's like, I just feel like I had to do the reset button on my brain all yeah. the time, which is like so sad. But I wonder if another big part of it was he saw like Bob Hoskins go through Hoskins go through this. I don't think it is probably hard ordeal. I think no? well, it's just too judging from what I've I go by what Bobcat was saying because Bobcat was Robin Williams' best friend and he was saying that uh, mm-hmm. some of the medication that he was taking induced suicidal tendencies. Oh, okay. And it's that's a side effect. Yeah, that's the side effect. So I'm done. You got anything else to talk about? Smashly wants to say hi. We got Smashly in the motherfucking building. (laughs) How was your your day today? Good. I got to work with uh, David Diggs. (gasps) Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Hamilton's own Monsieur Lafayette. He's a so sweetheart. Good. He he's, is he. He's a sweetheart. Um, and he like tell me he, more. Like, tell me more. Giggles. <laughs> he's, he like giggles at himself. Like he giggles at like how funny his lines are. I don't know. It was really cute. Aww. <laughs> should, should I go pack my stuff now? No. Or? Yeah. No. He's really nice. Yeah. Uh, I guess he plays uh, older Johan in uh, Gronish or in black in Blackish. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, I know. <laughs> so he came on today. I'm, I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm jealous. I love me some Hamilton, and Monsieur Lafayette is one of my favorite characters. Yes. So Smashly. Yeah. I, I hear you got a little tribute you wanna Aww. throw our way. Thanks, guys. Um, yeah, just a quick. I just wanted to pay tribute to one of my 
well, my good friend, my mentor, his name is Darren Reed Goodall. He was a decorator who worked for many, many years, who's a mentor for many people in our industry. But um, I just wanted to give a shout out and a tribute for his passing that happened suddenly last Sunday. And just wanted to bring it up because I know you, Zenobia, and Jason had talked about wanting to have him on this podcast to yeah. share his fun facts and his memories of the movie Gone with the Wind. He was my Gone with the Wind buddy. I yeah. was ready. And unfortunately, you guys weren't able to have the podcast with him. And uh, the last time we saw Darren, we actually watched that movie together because kind of in preparation to do the podcast. And yeah. then his sister passed and then 2020 happened. And yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, yeah we, we plan to have them in 2020. And yeah. Yeah. But I, um, I hope you guys still do the movie. And definitely. we. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so rest in peace, Darren Goodall. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, our, our industry lost a great decorator, but he had a great career uh, of decorating from Mad freaking TV. Mad TV to yeah. The Man Show to Girl Meets World. And, and the and, reboot of Mickey Mouse Club. And was, yeah, the Mickey Mouse <sighs> Club. Yeah, he got, like, wow. pictures with, like, young Christina and Timberlake and Brittany and all of them. and Yeah. There's a lot of stars in making movies, and the majority of us as an audience don't even realize these stars exist. But we love mm-hmm. their work because they do make the movie that they're working on or show that they're working on very magical and you are submerged in this world so for losing someone that is so dear to so many people and especially our smashly here on the show we couldn't let this episode go by without giving him a good tribute so thank you guys i love you guys <laughs> thank love you, you smash oh, love you love you smash and Robin. <laughs> also, if you hear that Robin and peeped Robin. up, she wanted to say what's happening. Hi, Rob, Rob. Wow, I fucking love she you. Is she so sensed her sadness. Yeah. I love you, Smash. Yeah, it's good to see you, Ashley. Okay. So, all right, girls. We did it. Whew. We made it we through Hood. There were so many fun facts that we missed. But damn, girl, we don't got four hours for you. Sorry. And so, mm-hmm. it's time for... Z for the people. people. Uh, Yes. uh. (laughs) So this Z for the people is one that I have done before. But this one is in honor of our favorite person in this entire motherfucking movie, Robin Williams. Like we already said, he completed suicide in 2014. And he left a huge hole in all of his fans' heart along with his family and friends. There's nothing, like, if I would have, if there was anything that Zenobia could have done in this world to make it that he did not do this to himself, I would have done it for the good of everybody because, like we talked about, he makes people happy when they're sick, when they're sad. When I really don't Mm -hmm. feel good or I'm really sad, I love watching Sing in the Rain and Mrs. Doubtfire. Those are like my go-tos. Those are like my go-tos. And he is a big part of so many of us lives. So this Z for the People is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. So it was founded in 2004, and it is a U.S.-based suicide prevention network, which has over 160 crisis centers all over the country that 
provide 24-7 help to anybody who needs it. So this place will, if you feel like you're having these thoughts or feel like you can't go on, and especially now in the time of us living in this coronavirus hell, a lot of people are stuck with abusers or stuck with, you know, family that they don't like or they're stuck by themselves this entire time. Like there's so many different situations and this idea of suicide may pop into so many people's minds. Um, you know, look out for signs with your families and friends when you're doing your Zoom or, you know, your car drive-bys to the waves and talks, you know, that we have come to know to do. Um, just look out and check in with your family. And if you feel like they are slipping or they you feel like you're slipping, you can always call 1-800-273-8255. So that's 1-800-273-TALK. And they will answer. They will help you. They will guide you to counseling because you might not be Robin Williams, but your passing will leave a hole in so many people in your life. And you don't even really realize that. Um, I also read something that was super cool. On July 2020, the FCC announced that they were changing the hotline number to 988. And this goes nationwide. It's a toll-free number. Uh, this won't go into effect until July of 2022. So depending on when you're listening to this episode, if it's before July 22, 2022, call the... 1-800 line if it's after try the 988 code it's going to be nationwide which I thought was very cool to do so this is in honor of Robin Williams because we all love him he affected our lives so much that you know Jason you remember your 10th birthday because of this movie mm -hmm. I have drove down the street and have parked in front of the Mrs. Doubtfire house and taken pictures before like you know these are just things yeah. because we love him so much you know, so that's my uh, Z for the people. Oh, uh, uh, yes, sir. I love yes, it. Nice. Guys, I should mention, uh, I don't know if you've heard, but Cloris Leachman passed away today as well. I, oh, I forgot. Yes. She was 94, yo. She no was way. old. Way older than I thought she old. was. Frau, Frau Bruja herself. Serious? I love her. Yeah. Such a funny uh. lady. Mm -hmm. And I'd yeah, feel remiss she, if I didn't mention it. Thank you for mentioning that because I yeah, forgot. Yeah, of course. Thank you for mentioning it. <laughs> All right, you guys, we made it. Next yeah. week, we gonna be in Black History Month, y'all. Get it. And this has been so great, you guys. Thank you for having me. I've missed this terribly. We miss you. You know, you can I, come on here. I wish I could come on more often, but y'all know I'm. Trying to do big things over here. Let you me get are. to Spielberg's level and then, you know. Yeah. Fun, hey. We'll fund everything. Absolutely. Thank you. I mean, yeah, you can come on the <laughs> show whenever you want. The door is always, it's going to be propped open because it'll never close. Um, <laughs> and we are, you know, we're just here. Do you want to uh, shout out your channel or anything? By the way, my mama made your guacamole the other day. And she was like, I Is watched, she really? I watched Jason's guacamole video. Uh, and I was like, Oh, I'm going to do this. And it was bomb. <laughs> you got you to gotta tell me how it came out. Oh, it was good. It was good. Nice. It's in the fridge right now. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. 
yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if anybody wants to follow, you know, like I said last time I was here, the reason that I had to step away is because I'm trying to make my first full-length movie. So go ahead and follow Pug the Movie on Instagram. That's where I put all my notices for casting and everything that's going on with that. I became a producer last week, y'all. It's incredible. Yes. Officially a producer. Right Do it, so. shit. We gonna make this movie. I'm, I'm yeah. in it to win it. It's gonna happen. I can feel Miss it. Miss Zenobia yep. is is cast in the movie. So go ahead and look on the pug Perfect. Insta because if you want to <laughs> see him with no shirt on, all sweaty, that's a good spot. All my workout training goes on right there on that Instagram, dude. I am so sore. Every week, I'm just doing more and oh more. I ran four miles today, y'all. Here we go. We got the Black History Month next month. And we are going to do our first Black History Month of 2021, and it's going to be Fences. It wouldn't be Black History Month if we didn't honor Mr. fucking Denzel Washington, bitch. Denzel Washington. Yeah. Old Washington, because he's pretty old in this one. Can I give you a fun fact since I'm not going to be there? Give it to us. Denzel got a messed up pinky. Is it all like cockeyed? Yeah, actually, Shit. no, no, no. Check this out. Denzel's pinky sits at a 45 degree angle. Ooh. Because oh, okay. he broke it oh. when he was a kid and they didn't set it right. So now it's just constantly like that. Damn. Whoa, crazy. I thought he was just like cool. <laughs> like, yeah, he, uh, he was a cool guy. Nah. <laughs> I thought so too. I thought he was just holding his well, hand out. Whatever. Thank you for as that. gorgeous but as that man is, everybody's wow, got a little flaw. I like his flaw. I'm gonna look for it. <laughs> I like it too. Well, uh, thank you, Jason, for being on the show. Thank you for having yeah, me. So I love so you guys. I you. miss you so very much. Thank you, Jason. Again, we love you, <laughs> Lenny. Girl, you know. Thank you love always you. for drinking with me, and thank you for talking with me. Absolutely, you're, you're my, my drinking buddy. You're my. Both of you guys are my favorite drinking buddies. Oh, <laughs> I love you, Bangray. Bangray, bitch. Yes. Thank you for believing. <laughs> okay, uh. one quick story before we come out. I'm pretty sure I've already told this, but since we're talking about this movie. <laughs> Oh Jason and Sebastian invited my invited me over to their house to watch a movie in the front of their house, like a outside movie, and with their friends and everything. And oh. we watched Hook, and we had a good ass time. The movie was great. Everyone was hanging out, and then it gets to the end where Peter flies out of Neverland. And he's like, "Thank you for believing. Thank you for believing." <laughs> And then the movie ends. And that's how the movie ends. This was the Yeah, it was some bullshit. Version that Jason had. I had a bootleg version, I admit it. And so there's no him coming back. Going back to Ashley laughing over here. There was no going back to Grandma Wendy. There was no him digging out the phone. Oh my god. That's there was no amazing. getting marbles back. None of that happened. It just thank you for believing and it was over. End <laughs> credits. Boom. <laughs> and then Boys in the Hood came on, so it was like gunshots like pop pop pop. Immediately. Like, like, immediately after <laughs> scared the shit like, out of my neighbors. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a really so good one. So we will see you guys next week, you guys, on another episode oh, of yeah. 
Lights, camera, cocktails. Rufio, 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 Rufio. Hey.